0: Hello there, and welcome back to the Agostino Zinga Show. With I, your host Agostino Zinga, and this is episode number seven four six. That is seven four six of the Agostino Zinga Show. With I, your host Agostino Zinga, and I hope you are doing well wherever this podcast may find you. I hope you are doing swimmingly. How am I? I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. I'm smiling. I'm happy. I'm joyous because it's raining outside. I love a bit of rain. I love running in a rain. I I love cycling in the rain I love rushing to the shops in the rain I absolutely love the rain it's absolutely fantastic absolutely great it washes out some of the haters it gets to rid some of the paws that are sleeping rough on the street because you know one thing about me I don't want to see no paws I don't want to see no paws anywhere so it washes all the paws away it cleans up the streets and it makes life worth bloody living that's all I'm here for that's all I'm here for So the last couple of days or the last couple of months, actually, I've been trying to grow my hair out because I'm not really sure what I want to do, right? I'm not sure if I want to get my whole hair braided. I'm not sure if I want to get it locked. I'm not sure if I want to cut the top off and like restart growing it because I think it's kind of like stopped growing at the top a little bit. I don't think it actually has. I think if I straighten it, it'll probably be a bit longer than what it actually is. I want to do so many things. I'm confused. I'm shaking. I'm nervous. I don't know what to do, but I need to do something with my hair. But one thing I've realized, one thing I've realized, which is really odd, right? When i was younger there was this thing called S-Curl. it's this little tub right that they used to sell in like asian stores that sold that used to sell black hair products, right? So black hair and beauty products are usually sold in Asian stores. Don't ask me why. It kind of is what it is. And when I mean Asian, I mean like Pakistani, Indian, that sort of side of thing, right? They would have these stores where they sold black hair products and beauty stuff. So you'd go there and you buy this um box, right? It was this s box. And back in the day, I wanted to get my hair like genuine, right? You remember genuine, the R&B singer? Yeah. Okay, cool. Genuine has this really light, light, really curly hair right that would kind of curl up at the top and all I wanted that hair and it was kind of like the hair of all the R&B because back in the day I was an R&B head I'm still a big R&B head now but back in the day I was proper proper on R&B so I went to look like that I went to get that little sweet boy ting going on You know what I mean with a little borderline my little magnet earring a little slit in the eyebrow to be a little bit gangster you know I wanted a little bit of edge so I'd get the little s-curl done well, you know what I've realized? I've realized over the years that that damage I did to my hair early on with the S curl somehow affected the back of my hair. So now the back of my head, sorry, the back of my head, the hair on the back of my head is a different texture to anywhere else on my head. So on the back of my head, I have a little, I have what you would describe as more um, quote unquote coolie hair, as in it's a lot more lighter, it's way more curlier, it just looks completely different in terms of a texture. Like, again, if, if you're not black, if you don't know black hair, you won't actually know. you just see a bush in my head. But if you know anything about black hair, you can tell there's a difference of hair texture from the top um, to the sides to the back. So I've got, like, three different hair textures going on at the same time. Absolutely nuts. Which I never noticed before because I never usually have my hair out on the sides. It's always, like, you know, it's always trim on the sides and this hair's on top. So I'm kind of figuring out what to do. But... It's amazing, man. It honestly is amazing. Um, the kind of predicament you're left with when you're a black dude who kind of isn't sure about braids or, or dreadlocks. There's not really many haircuts you can do. One level I can't really do because I don't really like the he- my, my head shape. I feel like i got, I got a bit of a condom head. When you, once you once you cut away all, all my hair my head shape is a bit of a it's a bit of a point at the top so it feels like a condom head so i don't want to expose my penis head to everybody um i don't think i look good in one levels so i wish i could do that i don't think i look good with just the, the, the you know the the two on the top and like the skin on the sides so i have to have some level of hair at the top i don't like it super short so i want it kind of long but i don't really need it as long as i currently have it um, the locks is a decision like long term braiding I'm gonna have to do all that fucking a uh, pattern shit which is really annoying and your hair gets really itchy really quickly so the only kind of middle ground is to kind of go for this boho look that I'm going for at the moment but unfortunately I'm just too much of a big motherfucker I can't get away with the boho look I'm just too much of a fucking unit when I have the boho look I legitimately look like a tramp that's the issue I legitimately look like one of the paws that Tom Segura doesn't like Because I'm so fucking huge. That's the issue I have. If I was more slight, that's the thing about being skinny. It's not just fitting into clothes. You can get away with like shit on your face right when you're skinny you can get away with like crazy hair crazy monster whatever because people don't you don't really take up too much space you're not too visually like startling but when you're already a big dude and you're like huh, 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 you know hoofing down the street right stomping down the street breathing through your mouth breathing through your nostrils breathing out your ears and then you've got this crazy hair and this crazy beard and this crazy face no wonder everybody's scared of me whenever I pop around the corner no wonder the girls are like ah whenever I pop around the corner, no wonder the, the fellas are like, oi, when I pop around the corner, all right, no wonder, no fucking wonder, I shouldn't be surprised, because if I saw me, if I saw me on any given day, maybe I too would run around the corner, maybe I too would run around the corner, but that's what I've been thinking at the moment, but most likely I'm going to actually go to my local barbers actually today, um, I'm actually happy because I was kind of nervous about going to my barbers, why do you ask? Because, I recently switched barbers. I recently switched to F um, for Fade, which is a really sick barber shop in like West London and shit that cuts really, really well. But it's a bit, you know, it's a bit expensive. No, it's so expensive. It's the same price as my local, but it's just far. It's like an hour journey to get there. And I just can't be bothered to call, make an appointment, blah, 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 blah. So I was a little bit shook to go to my local because I hadn't been in a while. And he would have noticed that I got my hair cut by somebody else. But because I've been hair for so long, he won't be able to tell. So it looked like, oh, yeah, I haven't been getting my hair cut. I've been like, you know, living like a bushman. But regardless, I'm going to get it trimmed today. And then I'm going to have my sides free so I can stop wearing these fucking, you know, these little, these actual fabric condom things. Right. These little snoods. I actually need to buy some more. I'm not going to lie. I think I'm going to actually maybe I'll try and make some more. Actually, I might actually look on AliExpress and see if I can make some of these things. And maybe get a Taz logo on it or something, or TAs, they're just written on the side. Or just maybe Zinger, my whole name on the side there on black and white. That might should be something cool. I'm actually gonna see if I can get them done because I quite I don't mind, I don't mind these things. They're they, they kind of look like the shit that somebody will wear if you're a cancer patient, right? Kind of looks like a cancer patient thing. But I kinda like how it just like keeps your head a little bit like, you know. A little bit like compressed it doesn't let your hair fly out all the place so and it keeps it mysterious you know what i mean no one knows what's going on in there it's all mysterious it's all really spooky and kooky so i'm gonna flip in you know i'm gonna flip and get it i'm gonna get it condensed you know i'm gonna get it condensed i need to get it condensed either way um that's my life so long story short let's get into the podcast loads of things to talk about I might repeat some topics because unfortunately, when I did record this previously, or when I streamed this previously, the file corrupted. And I was noticing in some bits, I was like, I think I was falling asleep. I don't know what was happening, but I was in a bit of a daze. I was talking about one thing, then jumping onto the other thing. I know I've usually got podcast induced ADHD anyway, but the previous episode was corrupted. And the file that I listened to, I was jumping all over the place. So it wasn't good. So I'm going to maybe go over some old topics, but we're going to still keep it somewhat fresh. So grab yourself a little drink. I've got myself my little Stanley here that I'm going to be sipping on, having a good time. I don't care if it's got lead in it, by the way. All these mums online crying about the Stanley having lead in it. What did you expect? What did you expect? This, this Stanley cup allegedly survived. Do you remember that, that person that crashed their Tesla or something? Or their Tesla blew up? Some person's Tesla blew up in America and, um, or, or caught fire. And the only thing that survived in that car was their flipping Stanley. What did you expect? Of course it's got lead in it. All these mums in America trying to sue Flippin' Stanley um, to bloody have, you know, um, to bloody get some money out them. It's like, yeah, of course it's got lead in it. How else do you think it's keeping your drinks cool? How else do you think it's keeping your drinks fucking warm? How else do you think it's going to store all that fucking watery, sugary goodness you've been drinking? Of course it's not going to be good for you, but it works, all right? So grow up. Um, What's a bit of lead anyway? What's a bit of lead between some adults? Lead will put some hair on your chest. Honestly, these people, man, uh, it's got lead inside it it's like well make your own cup go make your own stanley then if it's got too much lead in it go make your own cup come on man get out of here anyway let's jump into the topics let's jump into the topics first things first this is absolutely wild this is absolutely wild courtesy of milagro also known as mob's world i randomly saw this on my timeline on twitter have you guys seen this this is absolutely nuts it says rapper mia right? You guys know who rapper MIA is, right? Is opening up about what appears to be an illegal backdoor deals and faulty systems in the United States. At a mere 18, she made the mistake that landed her in a custody battle. MIA claims that Jay-Z turned his back on her. She alleges that all the emails asking for help were deleted and her home was broken into and her laptops were stolen. Yo, Rock Nation... Rock Nation are for real, right? Rock Nation allegedly got Tory Lanez put in prison for a shooting he didn't do, right? The one against Megan Thee Stallion. More than likely, he's not the one that shot her, but you know, whatever happened, happened. But Rock Nation are moving grisly. The quote says here The day I was served for my child, um, Rock Nation stopped all the communication with me and all my emails to Jay-Z asking for help were wiped from my inbox. My was my, my home was broken into and every laptop was taken. I was trapped in Brooklyn in order to serve and restricted me from leaving Brooklyn for 15 years. So this woman was stuck, this UK woman, right? Because I, I remember her from the UK MIA. I remember her first performances at this place called Notting Hill Arts Club. She used to perform. I forgot the night. There was a particular kind of hip hop night. They used to say place at Notting Hill's Art Club and she used to always perform there. So I always used to see her around London. And she was just about she was always like out and about on the party circuit like all of us were making a name for herself. So it was pretty cool when she went to America and ended up kind of smashing it over there. But it looks like it wasn't all sunshine and roses. Right. Then it continues. Um, Let me actually see some of these actually screenshots that she posted courtesy of mobsword i want to see what these screenshots are saying there's obviously mia there um she said the day i was served for my child rock nation stopped all communication with me and all my emails to jay-z um asking for help to wipe from my inbox um my laptop was bro- no sorry my home was broken into and every laptop was taken i was trapped in brooklyn on order and served that restricted me leaving brooklyn for 15 years so i'm assuming she's saying whoever came in to steal her laptop conveniently only went through her inbox to delete all her emails to jay-z that's how crazy it got can you imagine um, here's another screenshot taken from M.I.O.'s Twitter it says my first cu- custody battle was 2013 my child was four I was managed by Jay-Z who ultimately was paid by the Bronfman's wow Jesus Christos um, Bronfman and her husband founded the Outer Education Group a frostbed offshoot of the Rainier Ram- Rainbow Cultural Garden as well as a UK branch of the RCG So Jay-Z is really Illuminati. All all those Illuminati claims online, Jay-Z and Beyonce are actually part of the Illuminati, isn't it? That's why it's actually quite comforting. It's actually quite humbling that Beyonce hasn't been given, you know... um, hasn't been given flipping the album of the year title by the Grammys. It's actually pretty nice that there's one aspect of their life they can't control. They can control anything else. They can get people put in prison for things that they, they didn't do. They can kill stories. They can end careers. But one thing that Rock Nation can't do is by force give Beyonce a fucking Grammy for album of the year. I'm actually happy about that. I'm not gonna lie. I'm actually happy about that because it shows there's a limit to that sort of power. Um there's another one here. Um here's a legal court order where I'm required to be in America and I gets us a screenshot of her court order. Now, the other post is even more concerning, right? Let's see this post here. Courtesy of MIA's um, Twitter again. Big up Mob's World for taking a screenshot. It says here, Aurora James, vaccinate my child without my permission. They manipulated my child by lying to a 12-year-old, pretending to be his mum, and of and of course, it's not your own child. You don't care how you can psychologically damage a child with mental games. She and Beyonce, Solange's friend. So, MIA is suggesting that this woman, hired by the fucking Rock Nation, somehow managed to infiltrate her inner circle, or maybe she was a friend anyway, managed to pretend that she was MIA to get her fucking kid vaccinated. Yo, COVID... Really did break all our brains in it. COVID ruined so many people's brains forever. People honestly thought they were doing the world a favor by getting people vaccinated, by doing all these drives, wearing those stupid pins, having stickers on their shirts, putting stickers on their cards about "I'm vaccinated" and I voted for whoever. Yo, COVID was a distru- was such a destructive time in our history. Not only for the people who died r.i.p to everybody who passed away but to the residual effects to the after effects of like on our mental it's changed us for the you know for the worse the people who thought covid was all a sham and they didn't get the jab and they're still okay they're now never gonna believe anything the mainstream media says right the people who didn't get the shot and didn't get sick are never ever gonna believe anything the mainstream media people have Ever say the people that did get a shot, like myself, like a fucking idiot and a pussy, who got it because they went to travel, are now feeling conflicted and now feeling lied to. And I also won't believe the mainstream media. So you have all these different people out here who are basically turned, you know, COVID basically turned everybody into a conspiracy theorist because you couldn't talk about certain things online, your account will get banned, you couldn't say certain things about COVID on YouTube, or you'd have that fucking box underneath your video talking about how you are spreading misinformation. Like, honestly, it was one of the worst times ever um, for humanity, actually, or in modern history, COVID. The way it kind of, you know, physically, mentally and spiritually broke all of us is absolutely heinous. Another screenshot. Again, they vaccinate him um, after calling me an anti-vaxxer and humiliating me in the press for a good two years and cancelling my latest matter record for all promo and touring Again, sacrificing another LP. Yet they still vaccinate him at 12 at me. This is funny because this kind of reminds me of that guy, um, fucking Djokovic, the tennis player. Djokovic, right, still till this day, gets people heckling him in a crowd while he's playing tennis. Why is he in a tennis tournament playing, about to serve, right? He'll get heckled by the crowd. Get vaccinated, right? They're still pressuring him to get vaccinated. The people that be are still vac- are still fucking pressuring this, you know, elite athlete at the top of his game, who's clearly showed that he doesn't need to get vaccinated and he's been perfectly fine, but they want him to get vaccinated so fucking hard, and they're still screaming at it from the stands. It's absolutely disgusting, absolutely heinous. But this story here about MIA is probably proof, especially to me. Because I was wondering when the whole Tory Lane thing when the whole Tory Lane thing happened, um, with Megan and stallion shooting, I was wondering like, what did what is who is Tory really to have Rock Nation invest so much money into getting put behind bars? But I was looking at it from the wrong point of view. I should have looked at it from the point of view of Megan is the important person. Megan is the like She's the star. She's the porn person that they're protecting at all costs. So anybody that comes within her orbit and tries to stop her money or tries to st- stop her star ascending, they're going to deal with in the most brutal fashion. So instead of thinking about it, oh, Tory's not a big enough star for somebody to conspire against him. No, 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 no. But Megan is. Megan is somebody that people will be willing to look after because there's a lot of money tied into Megan, a lot of deals, a lot of exposure, blah, 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 blah. So that could explain what's going on. I'm really curious. I'm really fascinated to see if what WAC 100 said um, about that tape existing is true. WAC 100 made a claim that allegedly there's some sort of tape that exists of this girl that allegedly was there when the Megan and Stanley and Tory Lane shooting happened and they recorded the entire thing. But because the girl was underage at the time, the girl's parents didn't want her to get involved. So they didn't want to put her forward to the case to pr- provide evidence. But allegedly that girl has video footage that will exonerate Tory Lanez because it clearly shows he didn't shoot Megan, Which is fucking crazy because I can't believe that's true because it was such a high profile case. There was so much attention on it. Everyone was talking about it on social media. It was kind of like the modern day OJ case, right? I can't believe that this information was just buried and no one was willing to leak it it doesn't make any sense to me but you never know it could be true so let's see what turns out but one thing that is sure that we all know now is that rock nation don't play no games about their clients rock nation doesn't play games about their clients if you fuck around with one of their clients they're gonna bury you six foot under or they're gonna force your kid to get a vaccine even if you don't want it so don't play games with rock nation don't play games with rock nation Yo, big up everybody in the chat. I see you, Wagwan Coila, Wagwan David Guerrero, Gel um, Gibson, Gel Migson, Gel Mibson. I see you. I love that player name. Big up Shades Cal. Thank you for the lovely words. Big up Don Dotter. I see you. Uh, big up E Zanella. Big up Young Old Vibes. My G. I hope you're well. Um, big up Miguel Aguila big up everybody in the stream chat I appreciate you all for joining me I really fucking do I don't take it for granted thank you so much for joining me it's always a pleasure it's never a chore right it's never a chore is it is it a chore or is it not a chore I don't think it's a chore personally and I'm so happy that you guys have joined me I really 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 am um anyway more more stuff more stuff more stuff more stuff Let's move on to some other stuff that I want to talk about. Please bear with me as I get these videos loaded for you because I think this is absolutely incredible, right? So, um... As most of you guys know, um, Club Shay Shay, Shannon Sharp's um, amazing podcast series that essentially got its big look via the Cat Williams interview has now become the de facto place where people tell their truths, where they lay bare exactly what's going on with their lives in the industry and the role they play, Bloody blah, 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 blah. One person who I was really looking forward to hearing from was Monique. Monique has a really interesting story because a lot of her backlash in the media or in culture has stemmed from what I thought was a pretty standard, um, you know, argument, a pretty standard issue. I didn't really understand why people were really getting their nose put into, bent out of shape because of what Monique said. If you don't know, um, think back to like 2021, 2022, Monique had a bit of a spat with Netflix because at the time she was trying to film a Netflix special and she was proposed a deal that she felt wasn't matching her value. And I think the reason why it was a big issue is because at the same time that she was trying to get a Netflix deal, um, what's her name? Amy Schumer got one, and we all know Amy Schumer isn't that funny really, and her specials have been pretty lackluster. But she got a special um, deal by um, Netflix for the high, high millions. Now, somebody could argue and say, yeah, but Amy Schumer is way more popular than Monique. Fair enough. No problem. Let's say Amy Schumer is more famous. But I think Amy Schumer's deal, if I'm not mistaken, was somewhere within the 10 to 20 million. And then I think Monique got offered a deal that was like 500,000. Obviously, that disparity is way too much. Um, if Monique is not as famous as Amy Schumer, but she definitely is worth more than 500,000. Monique complained about it. She spoke about it online. She spoke about how Netflix were trying to, like, you know, blackball her or trying to lowball her. Um, the, 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 the kind of, you know, the, the drama of it back behind the scenes and the people that are kind of talking in her ear. And then, of course, in like the melee of all that stuff, for some reason, these rumors started circulating oh, Monique is hard to work with. Monique is difficult. Monique was an angry black woman. All these weird um, rumors started to pop up out of the place to essentially um, take away her argument and make it seem like she was just complaining for complaining's sake. Now, even if Monique is difficult to work with, even if Monique is a bitch, even if Monique is a real pain in the ass, what does it matter if somebody's trying to get their value? If, one, if somebody's trying to make sure that they get the correct fee, they get the correct pay, because I know from my experience, again, I have I haven't had the opportunity yet to have these big deals thrown at me. But I know from just working, from just working a normal job, when you find out, especially if you're there still, but sometimes it happens after you left the job, which is probably the best for you. But sometimes when you find out after you've left a certain job that a person that was working in the same team as you, who maybe did less than you, was making more than you, that feeling can never leave you. It never leaves you. And sometimes it will change you forever. It'll make you into a beast when it comes to negotiating um, your pay, when it comes to your next job. But that initial feeling when you find out that somebody that was doing exactly the same job as you, maybe not to the the, the high standards that you were doing it, was getting paid way more than what you were getting paid, it fucking hurts. Even with this, when it's a nine to five. So I can't imagine how much it hurts when you're a creative, when you're an entertainer and you see someone like Amy Schumer, who by all accounts, isn't that funny, right? It's pretty mediocre what she does. And she gets paid 10 to 20 million and you're getting offered 500,000 and you're being made to feel like you should be happy about it. Anyway, that happened. And I think naively, Monique tried to tried to reach out to some of her industry friends. She tried to reach out to industry friends behind the scene, one of them being Kevin Hart, to try and get some help. And I think she realized quite quickly that even though people like to talk about helping, like to talk about being an aide, like to talk about holding people's hands and helping them through the industry, what you've seen, I I think it's more so in like black American Hollywood, but I think it also applies to everywhere around the world, especially when it comes to minorities. We always feel like we have to protect our position we always feel like we have to present our connects. So when somebody's ruffling too many feathers and being a little bit too confrontate, no, too controversial, is being a little bit too outspoken. Sometimes we want to step away because we want to make sure the massa knows. Oh, I'm not like her. I might be black, but I'm not like Monique. So I think Monique realized that quite quickly when she was asking people for help, black individuals, especially prominent people in the industry like Kevin Hart. Hey, can you help me? And then they kind of, you know, did the old, yeah, I can help, but I can't really, because they didn't want to be associated with her and get that stink. So I'm going to play a, a clip for you here from of Monique talking about Kevin Hart and how Kevin Hart did her dirty, because I feel like this is a really sad indictment of what the actual industry is actually like. And how hard it is to navigate. Let me play the clip for you now so you can hear what she's saying.
2: Kevin Hart. Now, you know when Cat Williams said gatekeepers? Yes. Kevin Hart.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I do his um, podcast. Yes. And I want y'all to re-listen to the podcast so you can hear it for yourself. When he first comes on, he says, you're like my mother. You're like my aunt. You're like my sister. Okay? Mm -hmm. Then we do the podcast. We speak about the Tyler Perry situation. Oprah Winfrey, he said, I don't really know Oprah, but I'm going to reach out to Tyler. I appreciate that. Kevin kept his word. He reached out to Tyler Perry. Kevin Hart called me back about maybe a week or so later. He said, Mo, I talked to Tyler. He said he don't want to revisit it. He said, but I tell you what, let's move past that, Mo. Let's just move past that and let's just do great things. So whatever. That's what Kevin said. I want you to hear me, Kevin Hart. Let's move past that, Mo. Let's do some great things together. Don't even worry about it. Whatever y'all want to do, I will partner with you. I'll executive produce with you. You just let me know what you want to do. Now, let me say that before we go any further, because I want to make sure I give Kevin Hart his proper credit. When my family was up against the wall, Kevin Hart wrote us a check and said, here you go. We're forever grateful for that. When we were able to give it back, we said, brother, we appreciate you with some interest on top because I don't ever want nobody to think like me and my me. husband. So I want to make sure I put that out there. That was, that brother really helped us out when we needed to be helped out. Then when he came back with, I got you. I didn't ask Kevin Hart to do anything. He said, I'll executive produce. I'll partner with you. I said, good shit, Kevin, because we're in a deal with Mall. And we're trying to get our talk show back. Mo, whatever it is, I got you. Now, Kevin Hart is one of the biggest... Entertainers right now in the world, Correct. right? And was then we got off the phone with Kevin Hart. We called Endemol immediately and said, "Kevin Hart said whatever we want to do." He got us. He's gonna partner, executive use. They was like, "Oh, this is incredible!" Because when you put Kevin Hart name on it, you already know what it is. Correct. Two weeks go by. We get a call from Endemol. Endemar says, we just got a call from Kevin Hart's manager, Dave Becky. <laughs> and Dave Becky said, Kevin doesn't want anything to do with Monique. Jesus. So whatever Christ. she told y'all, he doesn't want to do anything with her, nothing. You know, he doesn't want any, any kind of relationship with Monique.
1: So what changed between the two weeks and when, and, and plus he gave your check, you gave the money back, then said he would partner with you, executive produce, whatever you need, Mo. Hey, we got you. So what transpired or what do you think transpired between then that two that two week
2: period. Well, soon as we got off the phone and they told us what Kevin manager David Becky said, I called Kevin Hart immediately. I said, hey, baby, we just got off the phone. with Endemol And they said, Dave, Becky called them up and said, you don't want anything to do with me. He said, Mo, that's that's a miscommunication. I can tell you right now. I said, wait a minute. Are you OK, though, with this white man calling them up? Getting in between our relationship, something you said. He said, Mo, um, that's a miscommunication, and we're going to talk Tuesday. Don't worry about it. I'm I'm telling you right now, it's a miscommunication. That was two years ago. If you talk to him, I talk to him. Jesus Christ. I've never talked back to Kevin Hart again. Wow. So that's what we're faced with. When you allow somebody to come in between a relationship with a woman that you said, I'm like your mother, mm-hmm. you said, I'm like these things. I didn't ask you for that. So everything that that baby was saying, sitting here, everything he was saying was on the up and up. Because when you hear people say, get the anger out your heart, mm-hmm. oh man, no one's saying he's lying. Mm-hmm. No one ever said I was lying. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to discount and devalue because of what we
0: look like. Now. I've got some people in the stream chat. Thank you for the comments here. I see you, Coiler. Um, Big up, sir, Easy Tiger. Hope you're well, my friend. Um, I see you, Shays Cow. I see you, Screw32. You're all correct. Monique isn't the best narrator. She's not the best narrator. But I think that's what lends more value, lends more credence, lends more truth to what she's saying. Because Monique is such a divisive personality herself or person, I think it lends more credence to it because what it shows, it kind of shows up the hypocrisy of the industry because everyone likes to pretend like it's get along gang, especially in America, right? There's this whole like black excellence thing, rah, rah, rah. We're here for the people. We're going to help each other. But what Monique is basically showing or proving is that at the highest levels, they're all out for each other. They're all out for themselves. Sorry. They don't look out for anybody else, really. Unless it's somebody that they can really pluck from the depths of obscurity, they're not going to help somebody that's kind of on their level or just underneath. They just kind of do their own thing. But they like to pretend like they're all black empowerment. We're going to help people. We're going to we're going to, we're gonna gonna platform black women. Black women are the most poor people in the fucking world, blah, blah, blah. But when there's an the opportunity to give someone like Monique Who's a big, powerful black woman who represents them pretty well? They don't do it because they don't want to give it the opportunity to maybe compete on the same level, have the same resources, and maybe eventually take their spot or take their limelight away from them. And also, I think a part of it has to be the money because I've noticed, especially as I've been doing more content, especially as I've been kind of, you know, um, as I've been li- watching more US based content. I've noticed something in the entertainment industry, in the creative fields, you guys in the States get paid way more than we do. The money in the States, in the entertainment industry, is obscene, really obscene compared to the UK. You guys get paid super well. Obviously, you don't have the same job security that we do. In the UK, for instance, you can make a really good career being a journalist for The Guardian. You can make a really good career writing shitty op-eds for The Guardian that no one fucking reads. You get a salary paid every month and there's no real risk of you losing your job. But in the States, you had Los Angeles Times, you know, laying off a bunch of people. you got Wall Street Journal laying off a bunch of people. Like, it's a bit crazy, right? It's up and down. It's all freelance. It's crazy. But you guys do make a lot of money. So I think that money and that fame is so... It's so obscene, it's such on a high level that it really does mess with people's heads and to the point where they don't feel like they should be giving other people a chance because it's taking away food off their plate. That's why I honestly think, I think that money is so it's so enticing, it's so plentiful that people get afraid that if they give someone this opportunity, they might take away their slot, they might take away their position. And that's what you're seeing with this Monique thing. Because this Kevin Hart story, basically, if you can surmise it, it's basically him trying to prove that he's a good guy. If you think about it really, it's him trying to prove how much of a good guy he is, right? First of all, lending the money. Hey, I, I know I know you're in a sticky position. Here's some money to hold you down, right? Amazing. Great to hear. Great to see. She pays him back. That that kind of deal, that exchange is over with. But then there's another power play. Hey man, you like my mum. I'm gonna help you out. You're getting blackballed from the industry. Let me help you out again. So it's all little things that people do to kind of signal, because if you're helping somebody out, think about it. This is not, this is kind of weird to say, but I've always kind of felt like the people that are always really, you know, um, gregarious and outgoing and, you know, really open with their their charity and stuff. I always feel like they're doing it as a point to virtue signal. Like, hey, look how amazing I am. So these people in the industry, especially black people who are all like, I'm going to help black people, I'm going to uplift black voices. It's obviously a good thing that they're doing it. Because I'm sure there are some people that are going to benefit from their platform being uplifted, from getting a nice look on them, from being associated with somebody super huge. But it does way more for the person that's offering the help because it makes you look like a saint. It makes you look like the saviour. You are Jesus. You've come back to kind of, you know, help your people. You're reaching backwards. You're hold- holding the doors open. You're getting rid of the gatekeepers. It makes you the main dog, Dan guy. Do you know what I mean? It makes you the fucking capo. That's what it actually does. It's less about helping them and it's more about signaling how much of an amazing person you are. That's kind of what they're doing. So in this story, again, you cannot believe Monique. You can think Monique is a bitch. You can think Monique doesn't negotiate properly. You can think Monique's husband is taking advantage of her. That, all those things could be true. But the other thing that is true as well is that people have seen her plight. They've seen her struggle in the industry. And instead of helping like legitimately, they are trying to use it as opportunity to signal to massa that they're not like her. Or if they do help, they want to make sure they help loudly so everybody knows that the person responsible for helping Monique and getting her where she needs to get to is XYZ person. That's the really slimy shit about it. Because again, I'm not doubting. I don't believe for one moment that Monique is always the perfect angel in all her stories. I don't believe that she's always the perfect victim in all her stories. No way, no no way, Jose. There's always two sides to every story, maybe even three. But at the heart of it is people noticing in that kind of black entertainment industry thing, somebody's struggling to maneuver in the industry. I'm gonna help them out to help myself, or I'm gonna make sure people know I'm not like her because I don't want to get blackboard like how she's got blackboard. But it's also a bit of a it has to be a bit of a a learning thing. I, I think it's something that I learned over the years when I was coming up in the industry. When I was trying to do my thing, especially in the streetwear scene, I was trying to work for Nike. I did like a little Nike role where I was working in this store called 1948 And it was funny because at the time I was working in this store called Ninety Four Year in Shoreditch. They kind of sold it to us like, oh, if you work in this store, you could work in the head office. You could be Tinker Hatfield. You could be sketching shoes. You could be designing clothes. You could be the marketing guy going to all the parties, right? But really, it was just a retail job. It wasn't really anything else. So they kind of they gave us a good, you know, they gave us a good little okey doke. But I liked the job anyway because you got loads of free shoes. We had cool events, and obviously at that time when I was that age, working retail and was one of the coolest jobs you could ever have. No one could ever talk to me. When I was working in that Nike store in '94 in Shoreditch, no one could ever tell me I had a bad job. I fucking loved every minute of it. I made some lifelong friends. It was fucking incredible. But, but I realized very quickly working there that I wasn't cut out for that corporate ladder networking thing because there were people that were working there who came into the scene much later than I did, didn't have the knowledge that I had, didn't have the experience that I had, the passion that I had, all this nonsense that I thought was important, they didn't have any of it. They came in later and they were able to completely surpass me when it comes to career-wise. Some of those people are still working at Nike right now. So salute to you guys if you're still out there, right? You guys, you know who you are. Those people are still at Nike now smashing it. And I realized, oh all that shit that I know about polyurethane midsoles, all that shit I know about how to read, how to figure out what date a Nike shoe was released based on the numbers behind the fucking tongue, all that shit I know about, you know, the fucking history of the Nike ACG department, all that shit about, I knew about Nike sportswear, all that shit I knew about tier zero shoes, didn't count for nothing because I didn't know how to negotiate my way through that corporate leather, that corporate industry, because like, like any other company, Nike is a corporation. I thought it was this cool thing, this like hip thing, which it still is, but it's still at the heart of it a corporation full of people that you have to navigate around, build relationship with, network. And I did none of that. I was terrible at that. If anything, I went out of my way to be kind of anti-industry. I, I remember there was one particular time. I still cringe. I still cringe. I still cringe at the thought now. There was one particular time, there was like a Nike sales event, right? Nike do these sometimes internal, I think they still do it now. They do these like internal sales event type things. So think of it like, you know, those Apple presentations, Nike do one, in in like in-house right like an in-house um presentation where they will preview new releases new technologies they'll talk about you know sales and maybe a opening of a certain store and they usually move it around so it might be in somewhere in manchester it could be in london but they're always in cool locations it'll be fully catered there might be an uh, a special artist performing but it's all kind of private corporate event cool no problem they did it one year and one year they invited us, right? The people that work at the 1948 store in Shoreditch. And it was weird because we were kind of working for Nike, but not really, because we were kind of really only officially hired as contractors. But we weren't hired. We were hired by contractors, by the people who actually designed the space and not by Nike directly. So it was a strange relationship. So we got invited anyway, which was great. We get invited and there's a presentation happening about, I don't know what it was, about something. And then there was a Q&A section. <laughs> and for some reason, I put up my hand and I started like going back and forth, arguing with some like executive about something, something about a shoe that I didn't like. Right. Like some retro. Oh, the shape isn't right. I don't know. I was in my like sneak ahead, crooked tongues, Nike talk, soul collector, fucking stupid angst. So I'm arguing with this guy who's an executive in Nike and I'm in a crowd and I'm like, we're going back and forth. And it's like, imagine how dumb of a move that is now, nowadays. Imagine how many relationships I inadvertently completely burned because of that fucking little tit for tat I had. But in the moment, in the moment, I felt like a badass. In the moment, I felt like a badass. Like, yeah, I told that executives. I let him know. He knows that I I know more than him. At the moment, I felt so fucking hard. I felt like such a badass, right? I felt like such a badass. But later on, I was like, how and you know what happened fast forward a couple a few years later down the line and um essentially um when I was looking at 1948 there was basically this head of marketing role right where, that everybody wanted the head of marketing role was basically the head of like no I think it was, it was head of energy marketing that's what it is and en, Nike energy marketing it's one of the most like prestigious jobs you can get because it's a cool guy job it, you you get to go to fashion week's Because Sakai does Nike collaborations, so you basically get to go to Paris Fashion Week all the time and hang out there. And Paris Fashion Week is the home of menswear and streetwear studios and whatever it may be, right? And showrooms, you get to go to all the cool Nike events, you get to get loads of free shoes, you might even get to arrange or hook up collaborations between certain people. So it's it's one of the best jobs you can get. And at the time when I was working at 1948, there was this guy called Ronajoy who basically was the one that was... No, not Ronajoy. It was A-side. I think it was A-side. No, it was A-side, actually. I'll take it back. It was A-side. So A-side from um, No Vacancy Inn was the one that was in charge of putting that team together that worked in 1948. And back in the day, you know, I don't really talk to him anymore now, but me and A-side were cool. And he's the one that kind of recommended me for that role. So he recommended me for that role and other people that worked there. So that was cool. But then A-Side leaves, like, six months into the role. Like, completely. He quit Nike, and I think he moved to the States at that time to pursue his music and what he's doing now, currently with no vacancy and all the other stuff he does, right? And then another guy came in, right? This other guy came in, and he liked us, though. So he liked us. We were cool. We got along because I kind of knew him from the London nightlife scene. And if anything, he actually put me in contact with the guy that opened the alibi, and I was able to do that club night with my friend called So Special that was fucking cool for four years, and we got going there. But then unlucky for me in that time that new guy came in that's when that nike argument thing happened at the sales event and then when he left this other woman came in called Shamadeen who um, who I like she's she's cool i like her right she's a nice woman she's the one that launched her uh, one nails and she does all this other entrepreneurial stuff i don't really know too much about but she seems like she's fucking smashing it right so big up shamadeen but when shamadeen came in she had a completely different vision So she got rid of all of us. She fired all of us, right? Except the people that she obviously liked. I think maybe two people. But it's no surprise that I got fired because I had no connections. I had no network. I had no um, allies. I had no friends in that that corporation. And it was all my fault because I didn't do the necessary work to like rub elbows with people to like say hi. Like, because even though we weren't part of Nike, I could have easily gone to their head office, which I think is in like, tottenham court road nike have a head office in tottenham court road somewhere like that i could have easily gone in there i could have easily been a bit more friendlier i could have spoken to some guys at nike at during the store events when they would come to 1948 but i was always a little bit too cool for school standing in my own corner talking to my own friends all that sort of shit and then later on when it came to the time when i needed to keep my job when it came time where i needed somebody to maybe put in a word for me they were nowhere to be found why because I didn't fucking m- nurture the relationship. And I think I realized really early on in my career, I was like, man, that was a big mistake. But it was also quite, quite, um, it was eye-opening because I think for me, I realized that I can't be that guy anyway. So I don't have it in me to do that whole like kissing baby, shaking hands thing. I can't do it. It's just not, it's not something that's in me. But I also, because I'm all okay with that, I'm now, I now don't look at people who do lick ass, who do kind of smooch, who do kind of rub shoulders. I don't look at them in a bad way. But in the past, I did. In the past, I'll judge somebody who was really good at networking. Like, oh man, this that guy's a beg. That girl's a beg. Look at her. She's just sucking dick. He's just licking ass. But no, it's a talent. It's a talent. That ability to like network, that ability to be on the good side of people. Like even, I know, I'm sure some of you guys would know this. I know people who've worked in shop floors at fucking Tesco's, your equivalent to fucking Walmart, who've worked there as a weekend person and some person from the head office comes in and they're able to have some sort of nice chat with them, like, you know, in passing, and suddenly they get a sick job because of that ability to network and talk. Whereas if that was me, and I was mopping floors in some store, and some head office person came in, I wouldn't even try and look at them. I would just be like, oh, angry. Oh, fuck them. I'm not looking at them. Do you know what I mean? But there's some people that can see the opportunity of working part-time somewhere as opportunities just to get their foot in the door and then build on that way. So I think with Monique, the one thing I don't like about her is I don't feel like she appreciates or she understands how some people are not willing or shouldn't be put in a position where they should risk their networks, their relationships, um, their hard work that they've done all over the years just to help you out. Just because you you want to be anti, they have to help you. You know what I mean? Because that's the way I am. I'm anti, but then I do my own thing. I want to build my own island. I want to have my own thing. I want to open, like, even with the DJ stuff, I want to eventually open my own club. I'm, I'm anti, but I'm not crying for people to help me out. Do you know what I mean? But I think with Monique, She's anti and she's standing for up for the, you know, for the creatives and she's standing against the industry. But then she still wants the industry validation and help. That's when it's a little bit, you know what I mean? It's a little bit double, you know what I mean? It's kind of like you're talking out both sides of your mouth. You can be anti, but you have to be anti and, and, and and know what it comes with. Know that it comes with a lot of loneliness. It comes with a lack of collaboration. It's going to take a like for me personally, like it's going to take a far longer time for me to get to where I want to get to than if I would have done it with a bit more help. If I would have been a bit in a crew, if I would have done it with a collective, if I was a bit more in the network thing, that would have helped me. But I also know I can't do that, so I don't do it. But then I don't look down on the person that does do it because that is a talent, and that's an ability in itself. Do you know what I mean that people should kind of respect and honor? So it's kind of one of those things that you know I've kind of realized over time. Exactly, people say Agostino, don't do that. You can't. Oh, but yeah, I know. I've learned my lesson. Young old vibes. I learned my lesson. Um, I've learned my lesson. I know not to do that anymore. But I look back at those times and I cringe. I cringe so much because back then I really did think I was a shit. And I thought I was a shit for what? Because I had knowledge about Nike shoes. Do you know what I mean? That, I thought that I thought that actually counted for something. And I didn't really understand that. No, you dickhead. Nike's like any other fucking corporation. It's like any other workplace. Like what you know doesn't really matter really. Um, as, much as, as, as good as it is to be good at what you do, it's also important to be well-liked. It's also important to have friends. Like, you know, I'm not saying anything fucking um, eye-opening here. Do you know what I mean? Like, as much as you should focus on doing a good job, right, you should also focus on also being a, a joy to be around. You don't want to walk into a room and people be like, oh, fucking hell, here we go. Here comes fucking Martin Luther King of fucking, you know, of Nike. <laughs> We're going to get a fucking TED Talk from him. You know what I mean? So I think all those things are kind of uh, go into the same sort of lane. Anyway, moving on from that one. We also got another uh, conversation here with um, Monique. This one now features um, where she's talking about Tyler Perry. This is fucking interesting because I feel like the Tyler Perry thing is even worse than the Kevin Hart thing. Because Kevin Hart at least did o- he did offer some help. And then later on, he kind of like changed his mind. But I feel like with the Tyler Perry <laughs> stuff, I feel like he was, he was on... He wanted to snake Monique from minute zero. Do you know what I mean? That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to snake her from minute zero. So let me, let me play this for you, this clip of flipping Monique talking about Tyler Perry because it's, in my opinion, I think it's absolutely hilarious because <laughs> she ended up kind of snaking him back in a way, but it's a funny little story. So let me get this up for you now. This is Monique on Club Shay Shay talking about her relationship with Tyler Perry. Let's see what you think about this.
2: Now to Tyler Perry's credit, Tyler Perry called us up, right? And he said, I can see the pain in you, and I can hear it, and I want to let you know that I I, I would never do nothing to hurt you, but the conversation kept going on. Only for Tyler Perry to admit he did start a rumor that I was difficult to work with. He lied. Only for Tyler Perry to admit I was wrong, and when my movie Boo come out, I'm going to say that, right? Now, here's where, when you did that interview with Kat, I could respect how you do it because Kat said, You let them people lie in your face. And your response was, Kat, I don't know if they're lying or not. Right. Because I can only take them at their word. At their word. Right? Yes. Well, we sent you the audio Mm -hmm. of Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to take me at my word. I want you to hear his words. And what did you hear that man saying? What did you hear that man saying? He said it. What did he say?
1: Is that, is... (laughs) Motley, you know you're not supposed to be recording
2: people. No, no. No, no. Let me back up. Okay. Everything we did was legal. And here's where a black woman really gets the kick in the ass. Had I not recorded Tyler Perry, Then it would have been my word Word against his. his. And then on top of that, it would have been he's so powerful. We can't even pay no attention to that. Right. Well, now I have him on audio, which is legal to do Mm -hmm. where we live. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. we have him on audio. And do you know what some people then said? Why would you record him? (laughs) <laughs> Just like you sat there and said you know it's illegal to but did you hear what the man said I, I violated you yeah I mistreated you yeah Do you know Shannon that's cost my family tens of millions of dollars yeah over a lie and a rumor
1: is he gonna is he gonna make a he's gonna compensate you for that
2: I want you to look in your camera yes mm. and I want you to talk to Tyler Perry mm. because you heard what that man said mm. so ask him will he compensate my family for that?
1: Tyler, will you come on Club Shay Shay and let's have a conversation about the fair compensation for what transpired between you and Monique? You can sit right here, and she's sitting right here, and you and I can have a conversation.
2: And we'll do you one better. and Give me five on that, baby. We'll do you one better, Shay. My husband and I will sit right next to him. See, with this whole situation and some of the people that Kat talked about, ironically, I have this issues with those same people. There were people that reached out to Tyler Perry on my behalf. Okay. And I was grateful for that. Okay. There was Al Sharpton, the Reverend Al Sharpton, civil rights leader. Yeah. I sent him that audio. He listened to it. He said, Baby, what that man did to you was wrong, and you're like my daughter. And we're going to have to get him to fix that.
1: Right.
2: Uh-uh. We didn't hear from Al Sharpton for six months. The next time we saw Al Sharpton, he was on a podium talking about, we don't need to fly commercial because we can fly Tyler Perry's private jet. I said, that's why maybe I'm not hearing back from him, okay? Then we had our beautiful sister, Stephanie Mills. Yes. Okay, who is, she don't play, Yes. right? Mm-hmm. I told her what happened, sent her the audio. Now, I don't know if she listened to that audio or not, but however, she called Tyler Perry. She said, Monique Tyler Perry does not want to revisit this. Mm. Okay, fine. Right. While we're on the phone, Tyler Perry calls her back and says, I will meet with Monique, but not with her husband. Are you ready for this? Yeah. And then Monique has to apologize
0: Jesus. publicly Jesus Christ. to say,
2: Oprah I had nothing to do with messing up her career.
0: But that'd be a lie. I'm exactly. looking
2: at the goddamn camera. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought that was a stage the way you... Look in the camera. Yes. Because you heard it. Yes. Right? Yes. So when you have, when you hear what this man is saying, so I said, Stephanie, tell Tyler Perry, never will I meet with him without my husband. And I owe no apology, so I'm not going to give one. You
0: know what? Um, thank you. Very astute observation there by screw. It's almost like everyone that offers to help regrets it. But you know what it is? Mostly what I'm getting a feeling of. I'm getting the feeling like Monique didn't realize until later on the people that she thought were her friends were actually the ones that were conspiring to end her career. I think that's what she's real, but now she's trying to unwind all of that. But in real time, it's not working because the people who she's going against are way more powerful, way more richer, well more, way more well liked than her. Because it's a game of popularity of like, right? Because if she was well more, if she was way more well liked. Or if she was way more likable, then she wouldn't have these issues. So that's kind of like what you're kind of seeing there. But like I said before, Monique could be a liar. Monique could be a bitch. Monique could be a pain in the ass. Monique could be difficult. Monique could be all the archetypes of a difficult black woman. Say all those things are true. But at the heart of this story, at the heart of this story, is people in the industry pretending like they're all black empowerment pretending like they're for the people, pretending like they're about uplifting voices, pretending they're about platforming and giving a light to fucking black women and black women are the most unrepresented, unloved people in the world, blah, blah, blah. All this amazing rhetoric, right? All this great fucking soapbox talk, all this great shit that looks good on some quotes on the Shade Borough or fucking Shade Room. But when it comes to actually helping, they don't help. (laughs) They say a lot of shit, but they don't help especially if you're somebody with a name yourself if you're like a lonely person from the slums and you have nothing of course they'll pluck you up from the bottom and bring you up to the top kind of because it helps their image it makes them look good if they get some unknown person and give them a platform but if you're already famous if you already have a name if you already have a reputation if you already have a following a bit of clout uh, uh, you know whatever around you it's a bit more difficult for them to offer help because they're afraid you might take their spot because they're afraid it might put up a position, other things they got working into jeopardy. That's the main thing you get seen there. It's honestly the main thing, but at the heart of it as well, Like some of you guys have mentioned here, I've seen some conversation here. Let me quickly scroll up, actually. Uh, Big up everybody who's fucking um, giving me loads of great insights here. Uh, Big up Coil saying, I know a lot of people from design school that are having mental breakdowns because they never figured out the knowledge that AZ is dropping at their career flopped. Exactly. But the knowledge I'm dropping is a realization. And I think people need to realize it. I'm in my position now. I'm having to kind of work back. I'm having to work really hard and and a really steep incline because of all the dumb decisions that I made earlier on in my career. Everything, every reason why I'm here now currently is my fault. No one else's. It's all my fault because I have the knowledge. I have the experience. I have everything that's needed to have those kind of roles, but I don't have them. Why? Not because someone's been conspiring against me. Not because they work. Some other forces are working to hold me down. Not because of all that shit. It's because of myself. It's because at the time when it was important to cultivate relationships, to network, I was too busy trying to be cool. I was too busy like in my own space. I was too busy thinking I was a bee's knees when I really wasn't anything. And I was also kind of looking down on people who were doing that networking, being nice to people type of thing. And I obviously didn't do it. And now I'm paying the price. That's the realization you need to make. And people don't really make that, they don't acknowledge the things that they've done to get themselves in the situation that they're in. They don't realize it because there are some situations that you're in, especially me growing up in a shitty place. I in now I'm in one of the, I mean, I live in one of the worst boroughs in London, maybe one of the worst boroughs in the UK. We have one of the highest rates of unemployment, high crime, like loads of fucking teenage pregnancies, um, gun crime, knife crime, everything, right? People die here every fucking minute. It happens all the time. So there are some occasions where my environment where my circumstances, where the people around me can negatively impact where I am at life. Those do those do exist. But it's not all the time. It's not all the time the system, the government trying to hold you down. Sometimes it's just you being a fucking dickhead. Sometimes it's just you being too proud. Sometimes it's just you being too egotistical. Sometimes it's just you thinking you're too you're much bigger than what you actually are. All those things can kind of play into it. And then it can kind of conspire. And obviously sometimes you don't see the effects of it until later. You're like, shit i probably should have said what i said at that time you know all those things there um big up case osmosis very true i've been too cool for school when it comes to networking big regrets exactly um and again the good thing about regrets is that you can change it's a, you know, you can have a regret and then you can learn, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't want to feel like that again. And you can change that behavior for the future. So even though you regret it now, now going forward, you'll be like, okay, cool. I'm going to make sure that I'm not like that when I was in the past. Koda uh, again said, I met a producer who got his gig because he checked crewing at a hotel and great greatest job. Exactly. Ig- Fucking exactly. That's all it takes, honestly. Uh, but then if I was, if that was me and that was that person working in the crew thing, I would have been, like, too cool for school. I would have been actually, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, these guys are not like us. We're the real people. We have the real knowledge. No one knows what the crew doesn't know. I would would have been all on my, you know, my fucking, my snotty nose thing, right? On my my chin up and my nose up in the air. But really, doing a good job and being a pleasure to be around in that kind of environment, who knows what it could lead to? But I was too fucking caught up in my own head. Absolutely stupid. Really, really fucking stupid. Tyler, (laughs) he never doing a thing. Uh... Exactly, exactly, um, Joe Mibson. No victimhood here, boy. Move along. Exactly, exactly. Fucking exactly. I do understand that. And I do believe that. So big up, uh, Monique, anyway. Like I said, I think Monique is a far better person to actually believe in these stories because she's so unlikable, because she has so many holes in her story, because she seems to always be the one that, you know, gets fucking dealt a bad hand. I think she's also someone that's more believable because... She's obviously proof that these people in the industry, they like to talk like they get along gang, but they're not really get along gang. They don't really want to help you. They act like they want to help you, but they don't really want to help you because they know if they do help you, it could fuck up some of their deals going forward. So I love that Monique is sharing that. I love that she's being open about it. And hopefully we'll see some change going forward. Moving on. I've got this topic to talk about. This is courtesy of the Shade Borough. Honestly, this lady must have Madesu, must have Fumwa, must have fufu, must have legumes, must have all those things for brains because I cannot understand how this person has these constant thoughts running through their head. And if, you, if, you, if you're wondering who I'm talking about, it's this lady called Olini Baby. I've spoken about her before on a pod about these dumb subjects that she always keeps bringing up, these bird brain fucking topics. I guess it's part of her brand because she's like a relationship um, sex person that talks about these type of things and womanhood and all this sort of malarkey. But it's so cliche. It's the same old fucking bullshit again and again and again. And here she is with another fucking banger, of the Shade Burrow. When you break up with somebody, when is it an acceptable time to move on with somebody new publicly? Like fucking hell, man. How old are you? How old is this lady? Are you in your mid-20s? Are you in your early 30s? However old you are, you're way too old to be constantly thinking about these topics. Is this really what is running through your head? Considering what's going on in the world right now, considering where we are as a society, these are the thoughts that are running through that brain of yours. This is categorically, unequivocally bird brain behavior. Bird brain behavior to the fucking 10th degree. And I just cannot understand why we consistently get these dumb subjects being pushed on our platforms, especially the kind of quote-unquote black-owned platforms that are meant to inspire, that are meant to uplift, that are meant to show us in another light. And it's the same old fucking shit. It's boring, bro. Love and like it's boring. We know what the correct answer is to this stuff. It's all dependent on who you are. It's all dependent on where you are. It's all dependent on your relationship, what you're comfortable with. No one there's no like one fit size. There's no like one size fits all rule here. You can't say, oh, the magical number is two weeks or the magical time is one month. It depends on the person. It's case by case, but that's it. It's like a fleeting thought. You don't think about it more than fucking two seconds. It's like trying to break up with somebody. What's the best way to break up with somebody? Via a text or via a phone call? It depends or via in, in in person. It depends on the situation. It depends on the situation. You deal with it, you know, like for like, if the situation is a bit more volatile, maybe if you guys have been physical with each other and there's been some abuse there. Maybe it's maybe to in your best interest to break up with that person via text so you don't put yourself in, the, in a predicament. But maybe if you spent some time with this person and you've been through a lot and they're probably not going to expect it, that you're going to break up with them. Maybe you owe them a face to face conversation. But that's all it is. It's like a fleeting thought for like the... Five minutes, if that. But you don't sit there and pontificate about it. You don't make a whole tweet. You don't cultivate fucking responses from people and crowdsource and then make it a topic and then make it part of your brand. It's a nonsense thing. We don't... honestly, most people, I would hope, don't think about this sort of shit on a daily basis. They really don't. They're probably worried about how to balance their fucking checkbooks. They're worried about how to pay their electricity bill. They're worried about if the store around the corner raises the prices on fucking Magnums. They're worried about how they're going to get to work. They're worried about if they can order an Uber. They're worried about how many drinks they can get at the bar. They're worried about if they forgot to bring their baggie or not. They're worried about a haircut, a fucking, you know, getting braids done, some outfit they want to buy if it's being delivered get from fucking Sheen. They're worried about real life shit. Not this nonsense. Not this crap. Not this absolute drivel. Not this fucking madesu fucking brained stuff that doesn't actually matter. Like this Bondu brain verbal diarrhea that gets us absolutely nowhere. This sort of stuff sets us way far back as black people than the kids in the street stabbing each other. I don't give a fuck. This is brain rot shit because we know the cats, the kids stabbing each other stuff we know that where that comes from we know that's, that that's societal decay. We know that's flipping trauma. We know that's fucking poverty. We know what where that's coming from. We know how that's basically the, you know the result of all those things happening. But this sort of brain rot that's been rewarded with money, has been rewarded with clout, has been rewarded with fame, has been recorded with like, you know, red carpets and hair and makeup and designer dresses. It's making people believe that if you talk about this shit enough, you too will be famous. No one in the streets who's fucking boring man up, right? Who's slicing man up? Who's stabbing man up? Who's joking man up in the streets? Think, oh yeah, if I do this, I'm gonna be the next fucking I don't know Stormzy. No one's thinking that. But obviously, if you talk enough about sex, if you talk enough about when you lost your virginity, when's the first time, or when's a good time to hook up with somebody? Would you sleep with somebody on the first day? Who who you split the bill with? <laughs> who makes more money, man or boys? Because now we're seeing an image of people that do that have quote unquote become successful now we're gonna think that's the way to follow that's the thing to go that's the that's the fucking yellow brick road when really it's not it's fucking brain rot it's fucking brain rot and i hate everything about it i really fucking do but i'm glad i'm not the only one because according to the comments according to the comments some people here are also kind of echoing some of my thoughts this lady obviously is more on point she's basically echoing the thoughts of the person so i'm not going to go on that one but somebody says here, please, can we stop with these discussions? And I agree with you. Please, for the love of God, can we stop, right? Um, another one, right? <laughs> Just want to throw out some other... Look at this person. Thank you so much, Victory Ioka. Thank you, Victory Ioka, right? Just want to throw out some other important... And the funny thing is, Victory, does it sound like a Nigerian name? Is Oloni a Nigerian girl too? This shows you the duality of Nigerians. Nigerians are some of the most intelligent people in the world, right? Especially within the black diaspora, right? They're fucking super smart, right? They always fucking get good grades. They work incredibly hard. But this is the duality, right, of Nigerians. On one side, you got this bird-brained woman, right? Talking about when's the right time to move public and what I'm on you. And then you got this lady, Victoria Yoka throwing out some amazing topics that we should be talking about instead. Should governments implement universal basic income to reduce poverty and inequality. Energy v. fossil fuel, which should be prioritized for the future of our energy population or energy pro- uh, production, sorry. Is universal healthcare a fundamental right and how can it be achieved? Another question, what are the most effective strategies for combating um, climate change on a global scale? Another one, how can education systems be improved to better prepare students for the challenge of the 21st century? These are the topics that we should be talking about. But again, people be like, oh, it's boring. I want to talk about Love Island. I want to talk about Cray Sean. I want to talk about, it's like, shut up, man. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up another person, three weeks before, whenever, oh, okay, some people are actually answering the question probably, but I love that I'm not the only one that's saying this, but I feel like I'm the minority, because this lady gets fucking traction on her tweets, she gets some loads of views on her fucking, you know, videos that go out there, clearly it's doing well for her, because she looks very clean, she looks very put together, the hair is laid, the makeups are there, the titties are sitting, so clearly, clearly, I'm the one in the minority here, Clearly, she's getting paid and being rewarded handsomely for these brain ish topics, but I flipping hate them. I hate them with a capital H. I think they're horrible. I think they're destructive. And I think they do nothing, nothing, nothing to bring us forward and nothing to elevate us as people. Absolutely nothing. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. That's also very likely. I really could be wrong. Moving on. Moving on. I've always wondered, right, in the UK why we don't have more people we do have some of them don't get me wrong we had some like trap artists um especially we have a lot of those um i don't yeah i'm sure you guys have them in the u.s we have like dealers now we have like uh, celebrity dealers the kind of guys who like post pictures of themselves with like buds right with like massive buds of weed or edibles they usually have those black leather gloves on but then they'll have an ap they'll have like a crazy um chain and they'll have stacks of cash But in the UK, you don't really get people like flossing like stacks of cash like you do in the States, like a big pile of 20s, right? A big pile of 50s or whatever. They don't really do that. There's no one really doing like money phones and shit. Maybe it's because how our notes are made. Our notes have like plastic in them. So they don't really sit well when you try and stack them up. You know uh, how in the US, your dollars are kind of like more papery. So you can maybe stack them a little bit easier. Our notes are quite like shiny and slick and hard to kind of stack. So maybe that's why. But we don't really have a lot of flossing culture. And I think a lot of it has to come with the money. like as as because there's not a lot of money in like the entertainment industry and the creative industry compared to the US like I've seen in the US in the US right you guys have podcasters you guys have fucking podcasters people similar to me but obviously way more popular right you have podcasters in the US who drive fucking Lamborghini Uruses you have podcasters who drive Rolls Royces. You have podca- podcasters that drive Porsches, right? In the UK, we don't have that. <laughs> in the UK, if you are a podcast, you make a lot of money. You might have like one decent car that might be a Range Rover or something. Or you might be able to like, you know, spend a lot of money on fucking Ubers. But you're not living in like some crazy house. You don't, you know, it, you know with, with a fucking pool. You don't have, you have like a fleet of cars. But in the US, you have that ability to do that because you just make more money than us. Cool. So maybe the fact that you make more money than us over there is the reason why you guys flaunt it more. And obviously, the, you guys celebrate a lot of that kind of success. You celebrate a lot of that kind of entrepreneurship, right? That kind of endeavor. In the UK, we're a bit more modest, we're a little bit more shy. So I always think it's interesting when I see someone from the UK do this. This is the guy um, who's got the who's the founder of um what's the brand called? de Dubois, something. I forgot the name of it. It's you know, it sounds French, but I guess it's, the guy isn't French. I don't know. Um, but there's got there's a brand. It's really popular with with the ladies out there, and they've got a store in um, Central London that's just open. Actually, I just walked past it the other day. The store actually looks really nice. I'm not gonna lie, the store looks really fucking beautiful. And he owns this brand. He's doing bits online and shit. And obviously here he is flossing. That he's got this uh, Ferrari and what looks like to be his house. And his house looks fucking brilliant, right? Especially for an English, um, or sorry, especially for a house in in London. Listen, let, let me say because you don't really get these kind of like big houses really in like inner London you have to kind of go on the outskirts so the fact that he's got this like you know this house with like two floors um it looks almost Victorian and it's got this like amazing Porsche on the outside right parked outside there in gray with black rims and the fucking yellow disc brakes he's probably wearing his own brand there it's a really big flex but again you just don't see this a lot in the UK it's something that people don't tend to do maybe because we're more um modest Maybe we're more aware of the risks involved. Like if you flex this sort of stuff, maybe people will be able to notice where you live and they might try and find you. And well, this sort of I don't really know what the reason is behind it. But I think a lot of it, my theory would be that we don't make that much money anyway. So you can't really floss super hard because the difference between somebody that makes like good podcast money and somebody that works a good job is like, you know, the, the margins are small. Whereas in the US, you guys have people that are making crazy amounts of money just talking shit into a microphone like I am. But I also think the modesty thing is kind of bears into it a little bit. We're kind of always trying to like keep ourselves on low and really and truly, you know, who the rich people are because they're usually the ones that have like all the time to do whatever they want. Um, they're always on holiday. They don't seem to work a job. Um, they seem to always kind of do leisurely things throughout the week. So those are usually a good op- a good kind of insight into people who kind of work that kind of way anyway the caption he put up on Twitter with the post it says as follows it's courtesy of an account called uh, Reese Wabara that's the founder of the brand that I just mentioned he says this is how pressure look um, they they want my spot but every step I took I wish them the best luck right no sir this is the pressure let me repeat that again this is how pressure look they want my spot but every step I took but, but skip every step I took I wish them the best of luck. So that, I guess it's him trying to give his haters some motivation. Don't get me wrong. The car looks amazing. The outfit looks great. The com- the composition of the picture is fucking great. Him wearing his own brand in front of a Ferrari, in front of a really, you know, I, I guess I'm... Uh, an updated Victorian home that's been modernized and shit is pretty cool. Let's check out some of the comments here. Curtis of Sheba, um, someone straight away said here. I just checked out the plates. Um, it has an outstanding finance lease. Don't believe the internet. Some people are saying that maybe it's not his car. Another one says paid my gas bill this morning. Crushed it. Another one says always oh, fighting with himself. This man is this the guy who claims black owned business yet he has not melanin site and his shopping website. Yeah, that was a funny thing. He had a little scandal online where he was talking about, oh, people don't support me and I'm a black business owner. And then people are going online and seeing that number one, he doesn't really, you know, push his brand as a black owned brand anyway. He hardly has any black owners. And also, you know, he's mixed race. So people in the UK kind of, you know, there's a bit of a devaluation if you're a mixed race person in the UK. You don't really seen as the same as us darkies. Another one. Okay, uh, that's his brand. Manier voir is my brand. Even praised him privately as his quality is immaculate. But since he's beef with Cortez, something changed majorly. That's why sometimes it's better not to know who's behind the brand. They brought out a side of him that people were not supposed to see. They got into his head, but Reese. Um, if you ever see this, work on improving the men's collection. As as since these online issues, things are not the same. Still good, but not the same. Lead the bragging for kids and up and comers. You don't have to a uh, thing to prove to anyone. You're already at a top brand. These posts put customers off or anything. This is coming from a place of love. I don't think that's true, though. That's the thing. I don't think that's actually true. I think this whole controversy, this whole like you know, saying crazy shit online, it always helps. I think if people want to buy your stuff, they're going to buy your stuff. No one's not going to buy your stuff because of the stuff you said online. And if they're not going to buy it, most likely they're never going to be fans anyway. But they don't account for the majority. The majority of people probably don't know the post he posts online anyway. They just go to the store, they buy what they want to buy, and they keep it moving. So I think the controversy is actually good because it keeps you in the cultural conversation. It keeps you buzzing that way. So I don't think it's a bad thing. Personally, for me, if it was me and I was him, I probably wouldn't do it. Because I feel like focusing on the work is always the best thing to do. I feel like obviously you can say what you want to say and be a controversial figure and say some things about culture. But I think at the heart of it, you should always focus on just having great work or doing great work. And then obviously, if you want to say whatever you want to say, you can. But the the, the kind of, Your bread and butter should be producing the best stuff that you can produce and delighting your customers. That's how it should always be. But, you know, in this modern world we live in, it's a bit complicated. It's not always as easy as that. Sometimes this sort of stuff kind of can help you as well. Because I'm sure off the back of all that controversy of him being a black-owned brand, I wouldn't be surprised if he said, yeah, I've seen some, he imp- could even say, I've seen some people come through my inbox, offer me deals that probably would never offer me a deal because of my exposure. So it actually can work, unfortunately. That's why people do the whole, you know, content over everything game. Another person says, I've clocked whenever a black, black or a blackish shoot from the UK does super well. The comments are always negative. The UK super jealous, crabs in the in mentality. Of course. And that probably is the main reason why we are quite a jealous country well no we'll say jealous country we're, we're, we're kind of more haiti i wouldn't say jealous we're probably more of a hatery country um if you walk down the street with a massive chain on and stuff and you're glistening you're not really going to get a lot of people coming up to you saying oh wowie you just probably get people giving you kind of dirty looks so i mean like oh who's he think he is all this sort of stuff um so that that is more of a hatery thing i don't think they want your chain they're not jealous that they have it that they don't have it sorry they're more hating on the fact that you think you're a big deal and that you think you're going to get all this attention when you're walking down the street that's what we currently have which is why people refer to the uk as home of the bad vibes that's why they refer to the uk as home of the bad vibes but anyway big up reese um, you know let's see what he does i like the conversation around his brand i love that we have you know two very different ways of approaching having your own brand from the Cortez guy um obviously um to obviously what reese is doing with his brand manier voir. i love that there's a different approach different sort of way to design different customers they're speaking to and i think it all well works out for the best going forward I think it all works out well for the best going forward. So big up him and big up everybody involved there who's trying to do good things, who's trying to uplift and who's trying to make things a little bit better for us going forward. So let's continue. Let's continue. I thought this story was absolutely crazy. This is courtesy of Daily Mail, right? And this kind of does show you, you know, why sometimes it does pay to be a woman. Being a woman, I know, in the world we live in now is very difficult. I understand there are terrors and, you know, fucking danger at every corner, especially and mainly for men. But there are some occasions where being a woman can be so advantageous. And this is a great example of it. Big up this story, of the Daily Mail. The headline reads, Gangster's glamorous mole, 29, who ran drug trafficking racket peddling cocaine, ecstasy and ketamine to a party-loving friends is spared jail. The girlfriend of a drug dealer who pushed the drugs onto her work colleagues somehow doesn't go to prison. Can you imagine that happening to a dude if, the, if it was the other way around? Come on, man. That's the, that's the luxury of being a fucking woman. Let's read the article itself and get some more information here. A glamorous recruitment specialist, which I've learned now courtesy of some comments, allegedly the recruitment industry, they are big on cocaine. I've heard that allegedly. The drugs market and the drug scene in recruitment is crazy allegedly I guess it's probably because it's high pressured right because I guess if you're a recruiter you probably have quotas you have to meet right so it's probably high pressured probably people are getting fired all the time so when you want to let your hair down and you want to unwind you want to fucking unwind you want to fucking unplug and what better way to unplug by drinking lows and doing a lot of drugs so allegedly I've heard from what I've been reading online that the recruitment industry has a lot of people who are super caners after work they get super fucking crazy so let's read the article a glamorous recruitment specialist who helped her gangster boyfriend run his drug racketing i sorry his drug trafficking empire by peddling cocaine ecstasy and ketamine to a party-loving friend has been spared jail uh pavindeep nijar 29 oh she's a bit of a cute isn't she? look at pavinda look at pavinda look at pavindeep pavindeep sorry Pavin Deep is a fucking hottie, isn't it? Look at her. Um, and you'd never guess that she was a fucking girlfriend of a fucking drug of a, of a drug dealer, would you? She looks fucking innocent, sweet, cute. You would never guess that she has a couple baggies in her handbag. You'd never guess in a Chanel fucking handbag that she has a couple bits of cat, a couple bits of MD, a bit of Coke, some pills, maybe a little ounce of weed here and there if you need it to come down. Like, she'll hook you up. She'll sort you out. Nice. Uh, Pavin Deep Nijar. A former fashion buyer for Sir Philip Schofield. So no, for, for Sir Philip Green's now defunct Arcadia Group. Wow, she used to work for the Arcadia Group. I might actually know people that know her to be fair, because I've got a lot of friends that used to work for that um, now defunct um, fashion group that also owned fucking what's it called? Um, Topshop and shit. Wow. Organized packages of drugs for her hedonistic social circle using underworld associates of her gangster boyfriend Charlie Jacob. Okay. Charlie Jacob sounds like a dealer, right? Charlie Jacob. We all, we all know of a Charlie that we grew up with, you know, who was on the fucking bad boy thing. So Charlie sounds like a dealer. But you would never assume a Charlie Jacob would be dating a, Va- a, pa- a Pavandeep Najjar. I'm not going to lie. I always assumed Indian girls or Pakistani girls didn't really like white boys. I don't know why I thought that. But I always assumed it was the other way around. I always assumed Indian Pakistani boys liked white women you see with those videos whenever like blondies go to like bangladesh or whatever right it's fucking crazy right they like they're like they might as well be fucking lady gaga in the streets do i mean people are running after them trying to touch them and shit like you know indian pakistani men love white women but i never thought it was everywhere around i never thought they liked you know what i mean but yeah it's different here let's continue um between 2019 and 2022 nijar known as pav Um, was said to have uh, treated cocaine and ecstasy like a shopping commodity. The judge at Manchester Grand Court compared her activities to a shopper going to a supermarket, asking friends, does anybody want anything? Yes, Pav. Big up, Pav. Pav, wherever you are, bang your fucking doors, Pav. You did nothing wrong, Pav. You did fucking nothing wrong. Um, The university graduate, she graduated university too. She's a university graduate. She's got her own job. She makes her own money and she sells some gear on the side. What's the problem? What's the fucking problem? Leave her alone. She sells some gear on the side and she, you know, she, she makes a job. She pays her taxes. What's the issue here? Leave her alone. Leave Pav alone. Um, the university graduates involvement was uncovered when police arrested 27-year-old Jacob over a £40,000 shipment of MDMA. Yo, £40,000 of MDMA. Because MDMA is pretty cheap from what i've heard right <laughs> from what i've heard so imagine how much profit they, they must be making from 40k because that's a lot of mdma you're probably getting that's like tons of mdma so imagine what the profit margins are like maybe they're making back what 200 grand half a million god damn um because these forty thousand um shipment of mdma which was intercepted by border force officers they continue oh this there see look at charlie jacob A nice-looking bad boy, white boy, of course. He's got the fucking Under Armour top on. He's got that haircut that all dealers like. This looks like every dealer I've ever met in my life. They all kind of look like this. (laughs) Yeah, what do you want? What do you want? What do you need? What do you need? Yeah, what's good, my guy? What's good, my G? What do you need? what's the motive what's the motive <laughs> what do you what do you hold on hold, hold. one sec one sec one sec let me get around the corner let, let me let me go around the corner let me go around the corner do you know what I mean this looks like every fucking dealer I've ever met in my entire life has looked like a a variation of this kind of white guy right whether they're Albanian whether they're black they always kind of have a variation of this you know what I mean I love it I love it um it continues Najal's phone was examined during the investigation into Jacob and was found to contain incriminating messages that she exchanged with friends, including one that said, Chels, any coke for tomorrow? Ah, uh, yes, Pav. Pav is sorting out the coke deals on her fucking main line. She hasn't even got, hasn't even got a second phone. She's doing it on her main blower. She's fucking doing the coke deals. You gotta love the flagrancy of this. During the exchange, Chels responded and said, not for me, but Mark may want a line. <laughs> she's giving out lines. She's selling baggies. you got to love Pam. She's one of the best dealers you ever fucking know. To be fair, I do remember there was a time. I don't think this person exists anymore. But there was a time where this like, teenage girl was the dealer of like a lot of people that I went out partying with in like the East London area. She used to ride a bike. Those of you that go out around there, you would know who I'm talking about. It was this little girl that used to be riding a bike with a backpack, and she was the one that was delivering drugs and shit. It's kind of, it's kind of wild to think about it that people were buying drugs off a literal teenage girl, but it was quite cute to see. She'd pull up in a little pink bike with a pink backpack. I'm assuming most of it was obviously to evade police, probably stopping her. But she'd have like mad drugs in a little backpack, and then kind of unload them out. It looked like a, a scene from a movie, but yeah. If you know, you know. It continues um she sent another message whilst on holiday in croatia she's even doing deals while she's in on vacation that is that fucking immigrant work ethic big up pav um she was sent another message while on holiday in croatia in which she placed an order for herself and her friends telling the dealer can we have five bags of coke and three bags of ket yo they wanted to party with a capital p they wanted to fucking get down. They wanted to boogie. They wanted to shake a leg. You know what I mean? They wanted to bust that bussy open. Five grams of coke and three bags of care. Shit. That isn't some minor thing. That's people wanting to rave. That's people wanting to go out. Like, let's go outside. Let's do something. You know what I mean? Let's party. Let's have a good time. None of this. Nah, nah bro. Let's go out for real, for real. Okay? 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 yeah cool anyway, continues um she also placed orders ahead of her social circle um going to a music festival. that's standard though everyone does that though right everyone I don't think that's a bit unfair. I think everyone's got a friend in their group who who buys the drugs for them when they're going to a festival or when they're going to a party. Especially if you don't usually buy drugs. If you don't usually buy drugs, it's not your thing. But you might do it here and there on a special occasion. You don't know anybody else you're going to buy it from, so you're obviously going to go to your most druggy friend and get them to buy it for you. But you can't then label that person a fucking dealer. I guess technically you could, but you, come on, they're not fucking Pablo Escobar. They're just ordering a couple of grams and maybe making some beer money on top. That's not a fucking dealer thing. Like people need to fucking relax. You know what I mean? Maybe relax. Um, <laughs> let's continue. Um, her gangster boyfriend lived a lavish lifestyle. Um, from his own drug dealing in with holidays in Amsterdam, Dubai, and America, as well as stays in luxury hotels. That's a very much a UK way of a trap dealers moving around, right? Amsterdam, Dubai, and America. Like this guy couldn't gone to the Seychelles. He could have gone to fucking Dominican Republic. He could have gone to parts of Africa. He could have gone to Bali. Nah, let's go to America, Dubai. And fucking Amsterdam. Like, come on, man. You got to do more with your drug dealing money. Uh, Pav bragged of going to Miami and Ibiza and enjoying a glass of wine on the beach. When quiz Pav, who lives in a $300,000 a pound apartment in Manchester. How does she? Oh, my God. Pa- this is what I love about people who are smart. So this this little cute Asian girl, right? She was peddling some drugs for her boyfriend. Instead of just buying nonsense stuff and trainers, she got herself a £300,000 apartment in Manchester. Because how else, how else is a woman that works for recruitment going to afford that kind of... flat? Of course, she's dealing drugs. But she was smart. She got herself a property first so that she's, you know, she's sorted out. So even if she does go to prison, she's got a house to come back to. That was smart. That's the difference between men and women, to be honest. She was just doing... She was selling... She was basically reselling drugs for her boyfriend, right, or making a bit of money on top. She wasn't really like shipping anything in herself, and she was able to still, even with that reselling money, which is not much, she was still able to buy a house. But us boys, well, what's the first thing a boy would do? Buy an AP, buy a Rolex, buy a Richie Milly, uh, buy a new car, um, loads of white Air Force Ones, Nike tech suits, Dior belts, elites, you know, um dior fucking jackets naught faces but she was smart and she bought a house that is what you need to do good girl pav pav is a fucking good girl i want to see her on fucking um i want to see her on those shows mate on dragon's den or something um let's continue here when quiz Pavu lives in a three hundred thousand apartment um in manchester's trendy northern quarter admitted drug dealing but insisted she made no profit from the racket yeah right She said, my friends and I would go out drinking and clubbing very frequently, and this included recreational drug use. I accept that there were times when I took responsibility for purchasing drugs for these occasions, and this is shown the test messages from my mobile phone, but I did not go further than this. Ah, so she snitched a little bit. She kind of snitched, but she also clarified that, hey, I'm just a party girl looking for a fun time. I'm just having a, we're just girls, we're just hanging out, having a fun time, you know? big up Pav, big up, look, you would never guess that she has a fucking baggie in her fucking bag, you'd never guess she has a little cheeky eight ball you would never fucking guess, look how innocent she looks, Jesus Um, Pav pleaded guilty to being concerned um, in the supply of cocaine, of MDMA and ketamine, but insisted she was now leading a completely different lifestyle, of course women get a chance to change of course women can change their lives and turn it around, but can a man do it? Of course not. Uh, Of course she can change her life. She was given a two-year jail sentence, suspended for 23 months. Wow. Wow. She got let off for basically selling drugs because she admitted it and probably snitched on her boyfriend. Fuck, man. Fuck. Free Charlie. Um, Which is, you know, a bit of a whatever. Um, You know, double entendre. It continues. She was um, sentencing judge Mark Saville told Pav you're a woman not only lacking in precious, sorry, you're a woman not only lacking in previous convictions, but you're absolutely positive character. But, ha, look at her. The judge even got gassed. Mark got fucking stunned by her beauty. Even Mark, the judge, got fucking bedazzled by her beauty. You're, you're basically a perfect woman apart from the drug dealing. Apart from the dealing in in illicit class A substances, much of which are incredibly destructive and much of which come with a lot of pain and suffering and blood on the back end. You're absolutely a lovely person. (laughs) What? You're a drug dealer, mate. Come on, man. You're perfect in every way, apart from selling drugs to people who are in the worst position possible, leading them down to addiction and, you know, <laughs> destroying families. But you're a lovely person. You're perfect in every way. Yo, Judge Mark, you are fucking going crazy, bro. Where's Judge Mark? Um, Judge Mark said, you're a woman not only lacking in previous convictions, but you're an absolutely positive character apart from this. I have also read the previous, sorry, the pre-sentence report, which shows you you to be an intelligent, hardworking, insightful, and remorseful individual. Is that all it takes to escape prison time? Just to be remorseful? Just say you're oh, sorry a bunch of times, show that you're, you know, trying to be a positive representation or positive person in your neighborhood, and they're going to forget all of that fucking nonsense that you did. All of the selling of class A's, all of the illegal importation of the drugs, where it came from. We're going to forget that, because you, because you said sorry and you cried. Come on, man. Jacob's was... Oh my God, look at this. Jacob, the boyfriend, was jailed for 10 years. 10 years. Because he admitted to conspiracy to supply cocaine, ketamine, cannabis, and MDMA. He gets 10 years. She gets two years suspended for 23 months. No jail time. He... Oh, man life is not fair 10 years and she's out having a good time (laughs) inquiries revealed a receptionist who worked at at the great manchester police digital investigation unit had been tipping off jacob and he's wow this charlie was in deep inquiries revealed a receptionist who worked at the Greater Manchester Police Digital Investigation Unit had been tipping off Jacob and his accomplices, warning them they were being investigated by detectives and not to use Snapchat. So this Jacob guy had a fucking person on the inside of the police. Yo, he was a big deal, wasn't it? How did she get away with it then? She was actually dating a, a legit drug dealer, not like somebody pushing a couple of eight balls. He was importing £40,000 worth of MDMA into the UK that got seized. So he was pushing major drugs up there in Manchester and she was, the boy, she was the girlfriend also pushing her drugs to her colleagues but she gets no jail time. Nah, that's not fair. That's not fair. Border Force officers intercepted the parcel from Netherlands addressed to the property Jacob rented in Denton. The package appeared to contain a cat food, but it was found to hiding a whore of MDMA tablets. You know, hiding tablets in fucking cat food is hilarious. Police raided the rental property and found 28 cannabis plants growing inside before turning up at Jacob's home in nearby uh, Droylsden in December 2021, where they arrested him and found Pav uh, in the upstairs bedroom. Oh my God. I thought they broke up or something. They found Pav sleeping upstairs, probably after getting, you know, dicked down, having a good time, getting her back blown up by her boyfriend, chilling out, watching something on the iPad, watching something on the iPhone, showing her boyfriend a fucking meme, like most girls do, fucking around, right? They found her in the bed with probably a couple of eight balls in her handbag, and they still, she got no jail time. This is horrible. Um, Initially, Pav refused to engage the police or provide details. She, oh my she even she even refused to cooperate. And then, oh my God. Admitted she'd been Jacob and stayed the night at the house. She eventually handed over the phone and passed her to it. Examination revealed that she was a recreational user of controlled drugs and was involved in the social supply of these substances with several Jacob's known drug contacts. Pav was arrested in a flat in 2022 in July after locking herself in a bathroom when police burst in. That's such a girl move, isn't it? That's such a, that like, it reminds you. of, she probably hid in the bathroom like that scene in fucking um Euphoria, right? That scene in Euphoria, which is hiding in the bathtub. Like that's how she probably hid in the, ba- in the bathroom. Another mobile phone was seized and contained the messages um, where she's where she still sort of juggled us by instructing her friends to not mention them in any group chats. Bloody hell, man. Pav, Pav the beauty, Pav the big girl managed to not get any jail time because she's cute. Because she's hot. Pav got no jail time because she cried and because she wooed the judge with her eyes and the eyelashes. (laughs) Honestly, being a woman has its, you know, has its negatives, but it definitely has its positives. So, uh, big up Pav, uh, free Charlie, wherever you are, brother, free you, you, you come out, you know, 10 years is fucking brutal. Hopefully you get out on good behavior. And yeah, like what a crazy, crazy situation. Honestly, you cannot... You cannot flip in line and that is not a crazy situation. So big up her, big up them. What can you do? What can you do? Moving on from that one, well, I quick going to mention this. So I'm not too sure you guys have seen this, but it is pretty crazy, right? Um, allegedly, Yeezys, Kanye's new shoes. So Kanye hasn't got a deal with Adidas anymore. He's doing stuff by himself now. He's kind of his own man. And unfortunately, it looks like the Uzi pods haven't been made to um, the greatest quality standards. Now, that's maybe OK, because Kanye is doing this on his own. He doesn't have the means of production that Adidas wants to able to offer him. So I'm sure making stuff independently, especially off the back of him going on that anti-Semitic world tour, right? That promo run that he did where he was basically professing his love for Hitler and all these sort of things that aren't the greatest things to enamor you or to enamor you to the wider public. I'm sure certain doors have been closed because of that crazy shit he said. So he's having to do stuff like on the sly on the back end, whatever, behind closed doors, blah, blah, blah. So maybe that might be the reason why. Or maybe it just it just might be evidence of why most people don't try and make brands, like footwear brands. Because I've always wondered that, like, why do we have so many people out here that make clothing brands um that make like accessories brand. we don't really have people that start their own independent footwear brands everyone's always running to a collaboration with nike everyone always always wants to fucking collaborate with fucking um what's it called collaborate with adidas and shit but no one really wants to make their own shoes from the ground up but i guess you know it's just hard to do i'd imagine especially with the production the manufacturing the costs are probably obscene to make your own shoe from scratch so um in this post somebody on instagram shared a picture of themselves Wearing a pair of Yeezy Pods, which is Kanye's new sneaker, which is basically a sock shoe, um, which is really minimal. Um, it basically has, you know, one piece construction with a sock on the upper. And then it also has these kind of really nice rubbery kind of outsole bits, right? It's kind of minimal. It kind of reminds me of like something somebody would have worn ba- maybe back in the day, you know, um, in the. You know, in Japan or something, right? In a samurai sort of era, um, I think the main it, the main reason why it's that low is maybe inspired by Kanye's obsession with walking around barefoot. I think there is something quite good about walking barefoot because it allows you to strengthen your feet it allows you to be grounded it allows you to import improve the um, the structure of your feet and how your heel is shaped and shit because i remember when i was quite flat-footed and i had to kind of rebuild my feet from the ground up that it's important to kind of get your feet out of the constraints of shoes and have them to be a bit more free and your toes will wiggle so that's why he made these shoes i'd imagine but they also kind of look really sleek really minimal they're easy to wear they're very versatile blah 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 the funny thing about them is the sizing The sizing of the Yeezy pods is, there's only three sizes. It's size one, size two, size three. And each size has a range. So, you know, maybe there's three size range in between them, right? I'm not really sure how that's meant to work, really. Um, But I'm sure there's a science behind it that makes it work. So I guess if you're maybe like my size, I'm like a UK 10, a US 11. So most likely I'll probably have to get a size three because I'd imagine a size three probably goes from a US nine all the way to like a US 13 or maybe from a US 10 to a US 13, that kind of free size um, range. This person ordered the pair and the caption says, so this is what, it, this is what they mean when they say um, size three fits a size 10 to 13. So this person got, I guess maybe the wrong size. They put their foot in it and number one, there looks like a hole there So the construction in the upper isn't that great. The fabric probably isn't as dense as it probably needs to be. Maybe the knit or the yarn isn't as close together. And then the other thing, as well as the toe. Look how much space he's got at the front. Look at the space. So this person ordered, I think, a pair of shoes based on their kind of shoe size range. But unfortunately, when they tried to put it on, there was so much space here on the front. And obviously, it looks like the sizing isn't the greatest. Well, you know what the funny thing is? Kanye replied to that person in the DMs. Kanye got at that person via the DMs, and he wasn't happy. Here's what Kanye said directly to this person via the Instagram DMs. He says, get a size one. Don't play with me like that. It ain't funny. I worked for a year on these and put them out myself. Jordan wanted to do this with his own brand and Nike threatened Footlooker to pull all these shoes out of the stores. I like how Kanye texts how he talks. He always includes these little anecdotes. Whenever Kanye's talking, he loves an anecdote. I've done this myself. You know, um, Bernard, no, didn't want me to do this. When I went in to put out the leather jogging pants, Bernard, you know, what I mean? he 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 types how he actually talks. I fucking love that, right? And obviously the double spacing, everything's fucking really, really a bit, you know, a bit tapped. But we continue. I love you. He's my fucking guy. And Vultures is coming out today. Vultures today. Vultures today. We continue. Adidas copied all my shit and treated me like shit. Adidas is suing me for four billion dollars. Really, really, and selling my shoes without paying me. They said I misused the marketing fund when I am marketing. (laughs) That is my favorite Kanye line so far this year. They said I misused the marketing fund when I am the marketing fund. Right? I love that. It kind of reminds me of that. um, What's that Kanye lyric about the table? Um, When I'm the table. Let me see if I can find it. I forgot what song that was. Kanye West. When I'm the table, what's that bar? When I, uh, I'm the table, I'm the table. Let's see, uh, lyric, uh, lyric. I forgot what tune it was. It was where it says that uh, I'm the table. Yeah, so yeah. Um, how how I ain't bring nothing to the table when I'm the table. You remember that? Oh, that's from Easy. Okay, that's from the track Easy with Game. I fucking love that. I fucking love that. Okay, cool. How do I bring nothing to the table when I'm the table? Right. Let me see if I can actually get that lyric. Where is it? uh there it is let me let me rewrite let me just let me see if i can see it bear me two seconds here what does it say i think it's somewhere here let me see if i can find it on my phone and i'm gonna read it out to you my best kanye impression ever right um there it is there, there there it is there it is don't interrupt just because it's all love shoulder shrug how i ain't bring nothing to the table when i'm the table I'm going to turn up the music, way up the neighbours. I'm going to get that fug love talent on my navel. This is how I am in real life, just not on cable. Mr Narcissus, tell me about my arrogance. No more counselling. I don't negotiate with therapists. Oh, that bar is godly, isn't it? No more counselling. I don't negotiate with therapists. Fuck, that's a bar. That's a bar. yeah, want to let God in, but tonight... I guess I'll let my pride win. Cousin Dre sent me scriptures, helped me see life better. Nigga, we having the best divorce ever. If we go to court, we'll, get, we'll go to court together. Matter of fact, pick up your sis, we'll go to courts together. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that bar from Ye? Cousin Dre sent me scriptures. Help me to see life better. Nigga, we having the best divorce ever. If we go to court, we'll go to court together. Matter of fact, pick up your sis, we'll go to courts together. You hear that? Anyway, it continues here, right? That's why they sent me the money in the first place. You have no idea how much work I've put into everything we do. Now, I love Yay. But you can't comp- complain about the work you put in when somebody tries to order the right size and it turns up like that. I don't really care how much work you put in. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't like that defense. Whenever somebody, does it, somebody creative is like, oh, I did this independently. I'm not owned by somebody. I don't, no, it doesn't matter. The moment you put it out for public consumption, the moment you put it out for sale to the public, you are now... Um, Open yourself up to criticism you are now opening yourself up to p- the public having something to say about what you do about the things that you make having an opinion on it so if anything nowadays it's probably harder because nowadays people are comparing the stuff that you make in your bedroom to the shit you get on amazon to the shit you buy in the department store it's unfair i know but people are comparing the level of service the speed of delivery and um, the quality they're comparing it to like big corporations so you have to kind of you know meet that or exceed that it kind of is the name of the game you can't cry and say oh i'm a small brand i'm i'm, I'm a pop blah 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 so um yeah, he said that but to be fair i quite like the shoes i'm not going to lie i quite like the shoes um i would actually wear them i'm not going to lie i like this picture here that features um the basketballer what's his name again um shay something i forgot his name i think it's shay right and um, he dresses really well as well and he's got a pair on and to be fair he dresses really well he's also a supreme athlete, he's also in incredible shape, and even he can't make them look super, super good, you know, they look okay, but they don't look super amazing, and again, he's six foot plus, he's ripped to shit, right, Um, good looking dude, and even he can't make them look super good, so they're kind of a bit of a weird shoe, you have to kind of figure out how they work for you, and if they work for you, but they kind of look okay, you know, they kind of look okay, if anything, I wouldn't wear them with the elasticated pants. That's the only thing I wouldn't do. Maybe the elasticated pants I wouldn't wear them because it looks like he's got oh no, sorry. It looks like he's got his pants tucked into me, the sock. Maybe I wouldn't do that. I'd probably wear them with like a with like a looser fitting pant that just got like a straight hem, no elastic, just to kind of either to be dragging along the floor or to be a little bit high up, like high waters a little bit. But I wouldn't wear this. you know what I mean? Or maybe even with shorts, but I wouldn't wear elasticated pants with them. I think it just doesn't look that great. And I don't like the bunching up over here. But apart from that, um, the look obviously is standard with the black hoodie. And then you've got also another picture here of them from a, I think there's a person from Reddit who posted a picture of them looking down. And, you know, the top, I like how the front of the toe box is obviously really round and you can have your feet kind of splayed out. I don't kind of like how it's bent that way. It's a bit, there's a bit too much curve there. It kind of looks like a telephone here but i do like the construction of it i do like how minimal they are um basically f- you know three bits of material you got the heel you got the forefoot and then you got the sock i love that right the production methods i'm sure are pretty cheap um once he gets a partner to collaborate with him on these i'm sure they could probably ramp up production and probably sell these for cheaper you know that time when yay was talking about how he wanted these yeezys to be like 25 dollars I think that was is yeah, always he's one of his goals with Yeezy was to make like really great shoes, really cool looking shoes, but really um, you know, well priced for so everybody had kind of access to really high level design, but like at a fraction of the cost. I think this is one of the options where you can do it because it's got minimal, you know, there's minimal materials. There's not a lot of process involved in kind of constructing them. If you had a if you had a partner manufacturing-wise, he could probably get these down in price heavily they could probably be sold for like peanuts if need be so i love that idea behind them and hopefully we'll see more of them going forward so i don't mind the yeezy pods maybe they wouldn't work for me maybe i'm not the right person to wear them at the moment but i really like them i'm not gonna lie i really fucking like them i really want a pair of yeezy pods and i can't wait to get my pair or whatever else he puts out in the future i cannot wait to see what he does Moving on, we've got this post here courtesy of Modern Notoriety, Big Up Modern Notoriety, who have featured here the free um, shoes that are meant to be coming out for the Action Bronson's New Balance 1906R pack. So Action Bronson has got a new pair of New Balancers coming out. He updated or he added his colorway twist on the 1906s or 1906s New Balance shoe. And the one that I kind of like the most is the one that's been the most controversial, which is the one here in the middle. That middle one is probably my favorite. It's, a, it's, it's Allegedly, it's influenced by women's colorways, which I love because there's um there's a common theme, especially with Nike the air maxes a lot of the best air max colorways are usually women's but unfortunately women's nike shoes only go up to a women's 13 which i think is equivalent to a men's 9.5 and i used to be a 9.5 but unfortunately my feet have grown and now i'm basically a men's uk 10 or 10 and a half which is basically a us 10.5 or 11 that's no 10.5 or 12 that's basically my size now i'm either u.s 11.5 or u.s 12 now but before i was a u.s 10.5 and i could fit into a women's size 13 which equates to a u.s men's 10.5 but usually the the women's colorways air maxes were always the best they had loads of corals loads of bright colors loads of neons and shit so i like that he's taken that inspiration and applied it to this new balance you've got great use of materials i love this kind of translucent section here on the upper where you've got this pink showing through and inside this white cage you got the nice pop with the neon laces you got this nice orange hit on the midsole you got great colors here on the outsole. they look fucking brilliant um and then there's also a blue pair at the top it's a bit darker which i'm not really a fan of and maybe this yellow pair maybe action Bronson isn't the best model for them because bless him i like him as a rapper i like him as a personality but he's a big dude so when you see these pictures of him wearing them all you see is the shoes looking like they're about to explode you know what i mean because of how fat his feet are. You can literally see the bulge here on the side um, as his feet are kind of literally exploding on the side of them. So maybe he probably should maybe get some more models to wear them. Um, but as a, as a colorway model, they look great, especially this yellow pair. Look at the tip. You've got this nice suede little tip here. That's fucking beautiful. Uh, mixed in with the yellows and the lime greens and shit. Like, this is a really good... In terms of colour combinations, I think he's really smashed I'm not going to lie. Oh, I think all of them have a suede toe, I think. That's great. So you've got a yellow suede toe on these ones. And the women's colorway which I like in the middle, is more of a grey suede. And then I guess here on the front, you might have like a more of a darker sway. So they look really cool. I like how they look. Um, I'm not really sure when they're meant to be dropping release date wise. I haven't really got any information on that. There's actually an article here courtesy of Hypebeast that says it's updated. Let's see if they've only got any dates. Um, update after a day of revealing the outsole of the Backlover New Balance. Okay, it's called the Backlover New Balance 1906 Rosewater. Action brunchen has provided the first look at the forthcoming shoe. A duo of blurry images posted. With- okay, cool. Yeah, the caption says this is already the most polarized sick of 2024. You just wait. The caption says, "My love of the women's colorway has no end. Women's aerobics meets me. I've been collecting sneakers for 37 years. Exactly. Yeah. Um, actually, I've, uh, let me see my favorite." nike air max women's colorway is this 90 which i actually i ended up because i couldn't fit into a women's shoe i ended up having to make these as an id back in the day but this is what i'll show you one of my favorite women's colorways ever and it was on a nike air max 90 it was like a really lovely coral kind of colorway um actually i think it's actually called coral i think that's what it was called i think it's a coral colorway. let's see if i can get it up um and i remember making it myself as an id because i couldn't get them in my size but the actual is it coral yeah that's the colorway this one oh it's so fucking amazing this one here actually that wasn't a women's this was a regular colorway i'm not gonna lie let me take that back this colorway actually was a regular but it's one of my favorite ones with the coral and the blue that's one of my favorite nike mx colorways of all time nike mx's are definitely in my top five sneakers of all time 100 i love that shape they look fucking so good but there was actually another women's colorway that i'm trying to think of i think it might been a lime was it lime green or something? Let me see if I can get it up on here on the Google Images. I think it was like a limey, greeny colour. It had like a little... It had like it had like majority white on the upper. But it was fucking beautiful. I can't really see it here. But anyway, what... what? Yeah, there we go. That's the women's one. That's the one here. The laser pinks. Oh, that's the one that kind of reminds me of the shoe that Action Brunson's doing. So that shoe in the middle that Action Brunson's making there, here it kind of reminds me a little bit of this air max 90 that came out a long time ago the laser pinks like they're so fucking beautiful that's such a good colorway with the silver the pink the lavender swoosh like one of the best colors of all time but unfortunately like i said they're women's shoes i so only go up to a, a women's 13 which is equivalent to a a men's us 10.5 so unless you can squeeze into that you're kind of fucked but yeah women's colorways go hard big up action bronson Big up action motherfucking Bronson. Next on the list, we've got this update courtesy of Hypebeast regarding the Wells Bonner Aida Samba, which is limited to 750 pairs. Now, these might be my least favorite pair. I'm not going to lie. I think so far, Wells Bonner has smashed every single Samba release out of the park. Effectively, I think Wells Bono has played a really vital part in the resurgence or the popularity of sambas. Yes, I know people mostly wear the regular sambas, the black and white ones or the all white ones with the black stripes. But I think the collaborations between Wells Bono and Adidas on the sambas have been so fucking good, have been at such a high level that they've really helped to kind of blow them in another way. Because I see a lot of regular, like I think a, a real good sign of a limited edition shoe success is definitely if you see regular people wearing them. And I feel like these are definitely a regular people hitter. But I feel like this colorway might be the, the first miss. Um, mainly because I feel like Sambas work well when they like got suede and bits of other material on them. I think when they just full leather, they look a bit weird. I'm not sure if it's me. But apart from the Jason Deal ones, which came out a while back, right? Um, Jason Deal, Sambas were really nice. The Jason Deal, Sambas, they were all leather. Those are the first ones I actually kind of liked. But again, that, that was a more of a classic colorway, you know, white and black. It had the nice translucent sole. Um, you know, big up Jason Dill, uh, big up fucking awesome, big up hockey. But I really like the Jason Deal ones. Let me actually see if I can get them up on here. But they were basically all white, as you can see here, with a really nice translucent sole. Um, but they were also leather. But I but personally for me, I feel like sambas work better when they're done classic with the little suede you know, tip on the front and shit. But I kind of, you know, I kind of didn't mind these. And I also didn't mind these, actually. These are the other Jason Deal ones, right? These like faux snakeskin ones here in the middle. These are really cool. But I feel like the white with well, the translucent ones are quite nice. So they kind of worked on that one. But for some reason, I feel like these ones just don't work well when they're all leather. Or maybe it's because of the studs. Maybe it's because of the, the overstitch. I don't know. I just don't think they work their best. So these might be the, the, the ones I don't. Oh, actually, you know what? Come to think of it, I actually don't mind these. I actually don't mind these, you know. Now you look down on them, and you've got the tongue flapped over like that. And you've got the Adidas logo with the world's bone at the bottom. And you've got the fucking contrast stitching. I actually don't mind them looking down. I think it's just to the side. They kind of look a bit funky. Um, the studs I don't really mind but I just think the all-level look is a bit weird but when you look down on them actually from the top down they actually look quite nice I'm not going to lie I think I might have to reserve judgment on these but yeah these might be the first kind of like semi-miss they're limited to 750 pairs anyway so most likely most of us won't be able to get them anyway um, let's read the article it says after years of working together Wells Bonner is now one of the AES's key partners um, in, great, in, in great part due to the brand's work of the ever-popular Samba I wonder if AES is going to give her a signature shoe I wonder if Wells Bonner in the future will get to do a signature shoe. I wonder. Or she'll just keep doing retros. I'd, lo- I'd love to see her do a signature shoe. Basically, um, last year's batch of six led, led um, to the pairing of a winning hypebeast 2020 award. Now, a new iteration of the world's best um Samba series has been has, has appeared, and this one might be the hardest ones to get a hold of. In a brief preview on the shoe, it's presented in the all black. As you see, it's got 700 pairs available at the time of writing. No details regarding the release of the new batch are out there, so no idea on the release. They're going to be 750 pair um, only made, but they're, you know, not my favorite to be fair, not my favorite. Um, but then there are some favorites of mine. This is, these are courtesy of hypebeast again, the first world's Bonner Ada Samba collab of 2024. So these are some other ones that came out in 2024, right? Or maybe are due to come out and these look far better. And that's what I mean about the all leather. I think Sambas work better with suede and leather mix. I, I think the all leather look looks weird. But these are fucking gorgeous. So you've got like an all white upper. You've got these nice, what look like snake skin-esque um, stripes on the side. You've got a translucent, almost gums outsole. You've got this nice bit of like suede at the front. And then you've also got these really nice um, plaid, jazzy laces and instead of the long tongue you've got just a regular tongue there on the sambas these look fucking beautiful right white blue you can't really go wrong with these ones right look really fucking nice you don't have the long flap tongue you have the really like short tongue there on the sambas which kind of make them look a bit more classic but these look really fucking great so these are actually one up my alley and then even this pair this kind of brown ivory cream pair also look really nice you've got the addition of the cream outsole, you've got maybe a creamy brownie, I don't know what the kind of color you'd call that, on the upper. Um, you've got also the this fake snake skin shit going on there, but in white, and you've also got the jazzy laces, and then you've got this kind of sky blue inside on, on the inside, right? It looks really nice on the flipping lining. So these look, these look absolutely brilliant. Like these look really, really fucking good. And you've also got the nice Wells Bonner hit there on the side stamped there so people know, you're not wearing some grs you get me you're not wearing some grs they can see it on the insole and they can see it on the outside but they look so 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 good um any details on these releasing let me see let me scroll down for hypebeast we got no details on when they- oh so they actually did release yeah no did they release. no we don't we don't we have no idea when they're gonna release <laughs> so no release dates yet on these ones unfortunately but these are one of the, my favorites i've seen so far so big up them and then i also like these these allegedly are sample that never came out but these samples are hard. So these are the Wells Bonnet Adidas sambers, And they're called Pythons, as you can tell because of the Python material. But these look so fucking sick. So it's all Python material. I'm sure they're probably going to be super expensive. And it's got this nice, lovely green lining on the inside, right? Leather, leather lining. And it's all Python on the upper with white laces, like white ivory off-white laces. Look how gorgeous these look, man. These are so fucking hard i'd wear the fuck out of these these look so good and then you've also got this nice little gri- rivet hit of gold down the side as well but they look really fucking good same there with the upper look how nice they look there a nice look there with them going together and a nice little bit there with the sample so you've got the nice little sample tag so no deals on these when they're meant to come out uh maybe they got scrapped uh maybe if they see people talking about them they might bring it back out but i do like that on both sides right on both sides so on so on each foot you've got different stripes so on one foot you've got like an all brown stripe another side you've got like a tonal stripe that matches the snake skin i do like that detail that's a really nice clever detail there so one side you've got brown stripes one side you've got snake skin stripes to match the upper but they look so fucking good like they look really hard maybe as well if, if i if i wore a pair i'd probably swap them i'd probably have green laces on one side and red laces on the other maybe or something like that do you know what I mean. I think that'll look actually good. Or maybe just stick with white laces on one shoe and then the green to match on the inside. But yeah, big up big up the samples, pairs here. Absolutely incredible. Love them. Would love to get a pair, but they're probably not going to come out anytime soon. But they look so flipping good. So big up I, Wells Bonner for always putting together some sick stuff. If anything, I'm, I'm kind of warming up to these black ones. I'm not going to lie. I think they don't look the greatest from the side. But when you look at them from down, for the top down, and again because I'm a I'm a sucker for all black shoes. I have so many all black shoes. Uh I've owned so many over the years that I just love an all black shoe. Especially I also love a contrast stitch. So maybe that's what's gassing me up. And I also love the tag there. That looks really cool with the double branding, right? With the Wells Bonner and the AIDAS tag. And you've also got the Free Love, the Free Leaf kind of, you know, Adidas logo going there with Adidas originals. That That's really cool, really clean. I love everything about it. I'd actually wear them. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie! Next on the list we've got this amazing, amazing news. Courtesy of The great Twitter account called Over and Under. I recommend you check them out. Over and Under is one of my favorite Twitter accounts to follow because they post all the streetwear news, all the sneaker news I need every single day. The person that runs it is fucking on it. So big up Over and Under. So Over and Under have shared some very early images, some line sheet images. I actually missed this era. We used to have this a lot back in the day, but I think now with the prevalence of fake sneakers and the prevalence of like leakers online and social media, it's kind of changed things. But back in the day when I used to collect shoes, the way that you'd find out about retro dropping was somebody sometimes posting pictures like this, which were like pictures taken on the phone of a of a of of an illustration from a line sheet. And usually these were like sheets maybe given to stores and I'm telling them what's coming up. Maybe it's stuff given to buyers in terms of what they're going to buy for the up and coming seasons and shit. But this is stuff that's usually like saved for in-house so that's how you'd find out about shoes. But nowadays, because of the fake industry being so hot, people find out about shoes because, you know, they get fake quickly and they get take snap pictures of it and suddenly they're out there. But this is a really refreshing thing to see. So it's courtesy of Over and Under. It says, here's a preview rendering of a Cortiz, right? The premier UK streetwear brand here in the UK. Fuck Palace and all that shit. Cortez are the one that kind of run the streets out here, right? They recently did the Supreme collaboration. Cortez are doing a collaboration with Nike, another one. The recent one with flipping um, Air Max 95s were well, cool. But I think these are actually perfect. And I actually think, because I actually said in the beginning, when that when that Air Max 95 collab came out, I actually thought it didn't make much sense, especially based on the ages of the people that you know that make um, Cortese. Because he's quite, I wouldn't say it's young, but he's a quite a young dude. And him coming up, he would have probably had more affinity to the Hirachis, or like an Air Max 90, or an Air Max, you know, um, 97, or even maybe an Air Max 89, 88, um maybe even air max one more so than an air max 95 An air max 95 was more so a my generation shoe i feel like a lot of the trappers a lot of the dealers back in the day used to wear air max 95s kind of like versace shoes because they were so expensive back in the day air maxes were like hundreds of hundreds of pounds um no or in the high hundreds of pounds back then even in like catalogs and shit they were super expensive but i feel like the kids coming up they probably would have been more on the hirachi trainer front or the hirachi le front so i was surprised when the first collab he did was the air max 95 but anyway maybe that was nike pushing out 95 on him more but regardless i feel like this is way more in tune with london and the uk because there was a time in my life where the Air, air trainer hirachi was legitimately the most popular shoe out there and i had like five or so pairs crazy amount of pairs i had unfortunately the shoe is really annoying because it looks best when the strap is like hanging. But if you wear the shoe long enough, the the, the strap starts to like go everywhere so sometimes when i was wearing them the technique would be like to wrap the shoelace around the strap so the strap will stay down but then it would be a bit like crooked and stuff but i love the air Max, the air trainer harachi it's got this amazing like um clear mesh net looking um velcro strap on the forefoot it's got this nice neoprene sock on the inside similar to harachi it's got more of a trainer substantial kind of thicker sole and it's a bit of a it kind of it kind of comes up above your ankle i think technically it's meant to be a cross trainer basketball type shoe but people wore them back in the day in London it was one of the most popular shoes when I was kind of coming up and you've got them featured here in an all black colorway with gum with a gum outsole which fucking looks great and it's got like a camo um neoprene sock lining. The other colorway featured is grey with the camo sock neoprene lining and a gum outsole type of bit going on there and then the last colorway is white with a gum sole and stuff. So it's three colorways white, grey and black. Um th- the way they're doing those Nike collaborations remind me a little bit of supreme when they do it like in collaborations it's always like these solid block colorways and it's usually like a black one a a lighter color one a neutral and a bright one so i like that they kind of follow that sort of mold but i really like them i really fucking like them i know they're going to be a bit of marmite especially people out there that probably don't really have a history with the air trainer with it with the um nike air trainer hirachi or the trainer hirachi from back in the day but i absolutely love them big up wingers Dingers.
2: Big up,
1: has. Yeah. Big up the Bean cheese, bean cheese, bean cheese, bean cheese, in, bean in, cheese, bean cheese, bean cheese, bean cheese, bean cheese,
0: bean cheese, bean cheese, bean cheese. Get in. Get in, my guy, Wingers McDonoghus. Big up you. It's either Wingers mcdongus, Wingers McDingus. Choose a name and stick with it, brother, okay? Stop flipping, scamming me up, man. Stop twisting me up, bro. But yeah, bigger wingers. I appreciate you, brother. So yeah, the air trainers, I have a really big, long history with them. I'll show you some of my ones that I built back in the day. Back in the day, I had these, right? Some of my favorite, 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 favorite trainers that I remember having back in the day um, that I purchased with my own money from reselling shoes back in the day. That's how I would make money because we were so poor. Um, I didn't have the ability to ask my parents buy me stuff and because i have brothers also i always felt guilty about asking my parents to buy me stuff anyway because you know we had other mouths to feed and a whole household to look after so you know spending 130 pounds on my fucking stupid shoes shouldn't be the priority for anybody so i went out there and i started trapping i started fucking selling reselling shoes i was reselling like you know, shoes from JD Sports. I kid you not. Um, people out there who know me from the forums from back in the day will know that I was reselling Nike Air Max Nineties, Laser Blues. You know the Laser Blue Nike Air Max Ninety Laser Blues. There was a time, right, where for some reason, oh no, I think it's even still now. Um, Sneakerheads in Australia love Air Maxes, right? But they couldn't get a pair of Nike Air Maxes in Laser Blue. Or maybe they're too expensive for them to buy in retail. So they would buy them from me and I would ship them to them in, the, in Australia. And I'll be shipping like five of these a week, maybe more. I was buying them from JD Sports and reselling back in the day. So I was making quite a bit of money doing this sort of stuff um, and kind of living life and having a good time and shit, right? Fucking absolutely loving it, right? So that was my life. Um, take care, Screw. Thanks for joining us, brother. Thank you for joining us and all the great insights you've had. Take care and enjoy your work day, my friend. Um, so yeah, so one of my ones that I obviously had uh, back in the day was this uh, special edition ones that I had as well. I they're like DR or Puerto Rico. I forgot what the fly. I think it's DR um, for back in the day, the all white pair. Like I said to you before, they've got this amazing um, strap on the outside and um, kind of meshy kind of plasticky kind of see-through-ish, um, which I always used to, used to like to wear loose without it being strapped so but the issue is once you started to wear them they didn't, they didn't really have a lot of like structure so they'd kind of like loop and bend over to the other side so it'd be dragging and it'll kind of fuck up the whole shoe but I did like them I did like to have them there so sometimes I'd usually loop the lace around it to kind of make it stay or I've, I knew some people who would cut a hole who'd cut a hole into the actual strap so that the laces will go into the strap so it can kind of stay in the position. But I feel like that strap is usually the best bit about them. And they look amazing when you wear them. They feel really comfortable. That's the pair I had. I I had this all white pair. I also had this pair which might be my favorite, the emerald colorway or the berry colorway, right? Where it's got this really amazing um, a bit, the plastic bit on the on the top is made in berry. You've got this nice white see-through bit and you've got the combination of the neoprene sock here with the green and the berry colorway as well. One of my favorite colorways I wore. Absolutely love this shoe. I wore them into the ground. I also had this pair that I wore to school kind of right which has got the black and white version i think they actually sold it in the Footlocker back in the day so it's got black and white bits on it it's got some grays also on it on the back you've got a bit of white on the midsole so i did usually get in trouble because sometimes in school they'd only let you wear the all black pairs not the pairs of like black with bits of white in them so that will sometimes get me in trouble but i did like to wear them i honestly 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 did like to wear them so i'm happy to see um cortez collaborating with nike and doing these harachi trainers i feel like these are uk heritage when it comes to sneaker you know the sneaker scene and shit um or sneaker culture in general i think these are way more sneaker heritage and way and align way more with the brand and the age of the brand and the london the overall they maybe the mx ninety fives. As, as great as i like the mx ninety don't get me wrong i'd wear every single pair of the mx ninety fives. i feel like these are more representative of you know Cortez being the premier fucking uk representer when it comes to a brand i also love that how even though they're a uk brand they don't you know they don't screaming about it from the rooftop. They just make good clothes, and I like that about them. Like, so even though it's a UK brand, they just make good clothes. But obviously, there's a there's a there's a there's an anchor that kind of ties us to the street culture here in the UK. And I don't think you can escape them because there was a period in time where Hirachis were everywhere. Everyone was wearing Hirachis Um, the LEs the trainers, like it was Harajis season everywhere. So it's great to see these being pushed. Um, and I'm I, I can't wait to see actual official images of them because we've only got these kind of line sheets that are a bit blurry and a bit small. And obviously. The, like illustrations, hard to kind of get a look at them. But if I had to judge or had to go for a pair that I would wear immediately, if I had to pick one, I think my favorite color would probably be the whites or the blacks. The whites or the blacks for me. They're they're the, or maybe I uh, stretch probably the blacks. The blacks are probably the one will bang, especially with that gum outsole. That kind of gum outsole. Is gonna bang incredibly hard. You got the gum out, so leaks to the back as well. So I can't wait to see them when they eventually drop. I can't wait to see them when they eventually drop. So big up Cortez, big up Blood Clark Cortez. Anyway, my friends, that has been the Agassino Zinger Show, episode number seven four six siete cuatro seis siete cuatro Thank you for joining me, mi amigos, mi chicas me, mijos everybody thank you for joining me i appreciate you so much for tuning into yakasino show if you're listening to this show live you should be it'll just fade out unfortunately but if you want to hear my tune today please please do listen to my tune today and it's by one of my new new discoveries one of my new favorite bands out there at the moment called the last dinner party they just put out an album called The prelude to ecstasy and my tune today for you today to listen to is their song called beautiful boy which is track six on their new album prelude to ecstasy by the band called The Last Dinner Party it's track 6 it's called the A Beautiful Boy Or, be- sorry A Beautiful Boy it's absolutely amazing it's a beautiful song check it out if you haven't already if you listen to the audio side of the podcast you will be hearing that song playing under my voice right now and I'll see you guys again very, very soon. Links to everything I'll be talking about will be in the description. Um, links to my social media also in the description. If you want to hit me up, of course, contact me via the podcast pages on there. There's a contact button as so well. You can contact me. And I'll see you guys again very, very soon. Take care, everybody. Peace out. He launches ships on which he sails to safety. And what I'm feeling isn't lost, it's
2: envy He has the earth, makes love to her, despite